This is going to be another episode of Summoning Insight. So that, of course, means me and Monty initially talk, mull it over. The problem with this as well is if people don't know, I'll actually reveal one detail because fans of the show will want to know this information. I'm not even doing it just to be mean. I can, that's just about happy byproduct. But being as, it's not like, like, here's the problem I have with the whole TSMLCS situation. Oh, right, my problem is this. It's being treated as though they're having a bad split. No, no, no. Let me just explain something, guys. Nobody has ever spent the money this team has spent while turning down people like Double F Jensen, champions, and then being this bad and this outrageously bad. Like, if people don't know, you know everyone makes fun of CLG. CLG have won 250% more games than TSM with an all-NA lineup minus Luger from fucking Turkey. Like, I don't think people get, like, this is, like, so bad. It's like, I don't even believe this is proof of the power of manifestation. Me and Monty's brains aren't this powerful. Even we couldn't make this happen. So as a result, right, it's getting to the point now where, as I say, just trashing them isn't enough. So essentially, I said on Twitter, we have to do something special to mark. If they really do come 10th place in the split, which is looking like they're going to at the bump, by the way, point. If they really finish last place, we have to, in Insight and Esports tradition, celebrate and commemorate this moment as though it was, you know, a 0-6 at World Second World. So I was saying, what are we going to do? Monty had a good one, which was, um, what was the premise? A literature contest Let of some go. sort. So it could be, I don't know, we could we could make it more narrow than that. like, Or we could just keep it broad and say, if you want to write a short story about what you think happened I don't know where that's going. Probably dangerous places. It's <laughs> also where people have to realize, like... Or poems, limericks, you know? To be honest, like, the production on it has to be a little bit scoffed, guys. Like, we have to mainly do it in our minds. Because I had a few fans on my Discord who had great suggestions, just they're impossible to do. Like, someone said, you should just do a full-scale musical around the fact... Like, listen, that is a brilliant <laughs> idea. Monty would love that. But I feel like it's going to be a bad Really? I, music. I fucking hate musicals, yes. I, I love really opera, understood it myself. But I really like, dislike musicals. I will always say, Monty, I never was a, in general a fan of musicals. I wasn't a fan of them. Like, like even when I was a kid, I used to think when you watch the good Disney music movies, like, oh, they're singing again. Fuck, oh, like five minutes, they'll be back to the movie. But it was worse, dude, when I used to watch classic American movies. Do you know how underwhelmed I was when I watched Guys and Dolls? Uh, Monty, you've got, the, the the, you've got one of the most gangster actors of all time. Literally, Marlon Brando. You've got, <laughs> and the whole theme is it's like rival street gangs. And then they're fucking dancing show tunes. I remember just being like, how is this not ruining the vibe for anyone else? They're, they're like that having, the joke is they were almost doing like those street dance-offs that like B-boys have in the modern day, like I mean, like the 1960s same, or something. <laughs> same shit with West Side Story. You take Shakespeare's worst play and then Leonard Bernstein tell, turns it into a gang dance off it's horrible it's fucking terrible <laughs> oh exactly no, that, that was what i was thinking i think i've I think mixed up the names yeah that's what i was thinking of yeah you're right actually it's, it was West side story sorry no totally exactly by the yeah. way though i actually have a side question though because one thing i found that's very very interesting is i saw a really interesting quote by um i think it was chovy actually dude where he was saying you know fake had that game where he played kaiser mid Right, basically, Chovy said that even though he thought Kaiser is a champion, he potentially could play mid. He himself would never have played it previously because it wouldn't win lane, right? And Chovy's whole thing, obviously, is like win the lane and then expand out. And but he actually said a very interesting comment. I want to get your thoughts on, which is he said the reason why he thinks it's viable now is he thinks in the current meta it's not actually that important that like you're up in lane on the mid champion. Like you know, depending on what it can do, it can like sometimes be worth drafting anyway. I wonder what you would think of that because obviously traditionally it's one of the things I always harp on. To me, mid lane has always been far away 
the most influential role in the game. And usually you probably did have to win lane to sort of get going in a match, you know? Well, I think that because, so it's an interesting question. I think that because of the teleport changes, a lot of the priority has been on champions in mid lane, as we can see from all of the TF bans and TF picks, the increasing like rate of Galio, even kind of prior to the package nerfs, Corky, who could get the previously get the package at eight minutes and then start to affect the side lanes or affect objectives. A lot of it has been moving towards globals or champions that have heavy roam in mid lane, I think to compensate for the lack of teleport options in the early game. Also, I think uh, people are realizing that a lot of the AD carries that are, are very powerful right now are late game hyper carries anyway. Rise would be another example of a mid laner, right? Um, and so I think when you have these kind of champions in the mid lane, and you know that a lot of these AD carries or potentially even some of these hyper carry top laners are going to have a lot of effect on the combat in the late game. If you can accelerate them by sacrificing some power from the mid lane, um, you can do really interesting things. And if I mean, if you look at the champions Faker has been playing, it, I think this is what T1 believes. I mean, we I think we can definitively say that. What has he been playing? Because last week he played, what, several games of Ari, a couple games of Galio. Uh, game and then the game of Kaisa. I think he only played our our uh, Ari Galio and Kaisa this past week. Um, if I'm remembering correctly from the, the VODs that I watched, and so they want to accelerate, you know, Gumuyushi on that Jinx in the bot lane, or potentially some of the carries that Zayas has been playing, like Jace or, or Kennen in the top lane. And I think it it makes a lot of sense. Now, I think it's more than that. Um, I think if you look at Kaisa in the bottom lane, it's been generally picked as a Zeri counter because part of the problem with Zeri is actually just bursting her down when she wants to get away because she just flies around over walls or moves super fast. <clears throat> so if you can close the gap with Kaisa and burst her down uh, as she's trying to kite, that's been really effective. Tristana has also been another counter that we've seen in the laning phase. But on top of that, we see so many pick compositions recently, um, compositions that can collapse really fast onto people. And Kaisa, with her her range um, and then being able to close that gap once you get the plasma down, uh, it makes it very, very attractive for teams that want to collapse really, really fast. And it makes your AD carry into another pick champion. Now, clearly, that's not the case if you're playing in mid, but it's yeah, still... Yeah. It still operates on the same principle, but look at all the kind of champions. We've seen a heavy emphasis on Vex uh, in the LPL. Uh, Vex is another champion that does have Some very... Gear. If people haven't seen, if people have only seen Western Vex, go right now immediately and watch Knight and fucking Rookie play this champion. Yeah. It's, they are unreal. Yeah. So the Vex, the Vex engages are huge. So if you look at champions like Ari, you know, champions that can get over walls, champions that have very, very long forms of engage, um, a lot of the champions that can use Everfrost in order to create a pick. These are the champions that many top teams are playing right now. Um, just because their their engage range is so long and you can you can basically play around whichever player is ahead and consistently collapse on the lane that that player is in in order to expand your your lane even further. So uh, I think that we're moving interestingly, you know, after talking about all these team fighting teams and the importance of playing around kind of 5v5 objectives. Now, it's not like Dragon got less important, but it's just the way you play around it now in terms of trying to get a pick first uh, has been really activated. And here's the thing about any 
esports, I will say at any esport, is that movement in FPS or RTS or MOBA is the most important like ability, movement speed. The, how fast you can get to something is always the most important aspect of any of these games at the professional level because it allows you to outmaneuver your opponents and actually play a more complete macro game. And so in the absence of early TP um, or the fact that TP is gated by a long cooldown, right? You have other means to quickly and efficiently move around the map uh, with some of these champions. Yeah, so the think, other thing as well is... Um... Let me think. I was going to think, trying to think what I was going to say earlier on that one. Oh, yeah, that that's one of the things also, if you think about that, makes that champion so bizarre, bearing in mind it's an ADC in theory. It's like that evolved W is OP as fuck, the range. It's an AD carry. Remember, AD carries have to get an all attack range. Not only that, once you've landed it, it's like the joke. You just fucking engage with the ADC now. Like, it's such a <laughs> ridiculous shot. It's why in some ways, and I guess to tie in, that's why in some sense it's balanced, because obviously it's not as great a pure laner at the moment. Like, otherwise it'd just be the most OP champion. You never spoiler anyone who saw Uzi I play it like four years ago. No, I was OP. Here. Fucking, it's, it's ridiculous, wasn't it? I it's it's always been strong, but it, I don't think it has been. It hasn't been heavily picked until teams. First off, it always takes pro players time to adapt to these things, right? Um, and she's not, especially in the way you build her AP. She's not as good at playing front to back team fights as other champions, right? Like she's not a jinx. Uh, and so you have to play very differently and play compositions that complement her strengths, because otherwise you will, you will just get rolled if you try and, and front to back team fight. And it's also very dangerous because, you know, she is squishy and you do have to go all in and you're relying on like Luden's bursts, uh, in order to accomplish these goals. So it's hard. And I think that Western teams, until they learn how to, I mean, we see almost no, Vex priority in the West, although we did see Abadage play it this last week, uh, but very much lower than, say, LPL, which is like Vex crazy right now. I mean, to be fair, LCK doesn't have as much Vex either. Um, but if you if you look at the kind of compositions and you look at the way that players have been able to successfully play the RE and you see the difference between Western mid laners playing RE and then like faker or rookie playing Ari. There's a, there's a massive, massive difference. In By the way, I know we discussed it on the Nymeria episode, but dude, they, those guys are still baiting these Western idiots into thinking Ari's a good pick. You know what? I'm getting the vibe considering it's still being picked so much in these games in the West Monty. It has to be on some like fucking, Oh, fuck, what's the name of the... It has to be on some Viego shit. It must be tearing up scrims because the, what I'm seeing in the game, it just loses games in the West. It just <laughs> loses. You're right, the elite midlands in the East are fucking incredible on it, but like, I don't get the priority of the West for that champion, mate. I mean, the thing about Ari is that if you want to play it well, you have to play early Dark Seal in order to actually scale and snowball, which means that you cannot die, which means that your positioning and your communication with your team has to be really good and you have to be able to run pick compositions with it because she's going to be weaker in most straight up 5v5 team fights if you don't have good positioning not only from yourself but from the entirety of your team or you're not planning in advance about how the re is going to collapse onto one of the side lanes and you're going to get a pick and turn it into objective i think the main problem is that western teams simply do not plan you know two minutes ahead enough to make the most out of the pick I mean, some would say ever. I think too much might be being... <laughs> Look, I could believe maybe, you know, 
some really smart, like maybe Inspired thinks two minutes ahead or maybe fucking Core JJ thinks two minutes ahead, Monty. I get the vibe a lot of players, they're just... Look, I've always said this about pros. I don't give a fuck what you're going to do to me. You're just animals. You're just reacting on impulse and fucking instinct. What the fuck? Just, just stimuli coming in. That's why you all still 5v5 fucking ARAM and LCS for fuck's sake. It's ridiculous. <laughs> I, I'm sure Ole, when he when he comes on, is not going to enjoy hearing about the 5v5 ARAM from the Golden Guardians game, of which many people pointed out that no one actually touched that top lane for 10 minutes in the mid, in the mid and late game there. Which is um seemed implausible, didn't like how that could be <laughs> problematic. <clears throat> problematic to say the least. I do think it's a little bit over overemphasized uh, because it's funny. Uh, I think there was a lot going on in that game where Golden Guardians felt like they had to keep committing because there were so many staggered deaths and them trying to re-engage and, and take the advantage. So I do think it was a little bit over-exaggerated, but also like they should have been playing better to their win conditions. But before we discuss that, because I'm sure... Also, by the way, if anyone thinks that intro was harsh about TSM, I'll just throw this in as well. Go look at the fucking lineups of Golden Guardians and FlyQuest and shut the fuck up. What are they even working with? And the joke is, by the way, I know no one wants to hear this. Right now, it's not even a fucking troll. A player's all of his better than Bjergsen, mate. It's not even fucking trolling. Again, that's what was real. I couldn't believe it with my own eyes. Don't worry. But like fucking, like now, now, I, now I have to be a hater. It's not even like, at least I was comparing with fucking Jensen before. Do it to players all of He's sort of improved a bit. He's, he's sort of gotten a little bit of split by split. I'll give him that. He was underrated last year, I think, yeah. and uh, certainly at least in terms of solo kill potential and like his laning, he's good. I think Ablaze, all of his weakness comes into kind of mid-game and late-game engagement. He's not Bjergsen, though, is he? <laughs> no. I mean, Bjergsen hasn't had to do much, but we can talk about that later. I want to, first off, before we get Ole on, I want to hit on the, the T1 win streak. Um, yeah. Because there's several thing, I think, to, things, that, things to talk about LCK right now. Uh, obviously like they broke their own win streak in terms of best of threes. So we're seeing uh, this incredibly impressive one run by T1 overall. Yeah, much more impressive actual record now when you consider the other record was the first year of LCK when the Korean Exodus happened and all the bottom teams were terrible. Dude, the bottom teams back then used to win sometimes like one, two series, if you remember. So like you look now, you can even see like veteran players in the bottom teams of LCK. Like, I think like the parity in LCK makes this record way more impressive, uh, even though, yes, true, they don't have the same top level competition that sort of does sour it a tiny bit, obviously. Also, you know, the, the wins against the number two team, Genji, are fraudulent, um, and they have had a bunch of fraudulent wins. I mean, would they have likely beaten Fredit Breon this week with their the full roster? team <laughs> might want to have played for them to win. Yes, I agree, Monty. They might need you know, your whole team to win that game. Yeah, They had, they had their entire <laughs> challenger team in, and yes, T1, you know, they cleaned it up. They won two games in 19 minutes, and that's what you expect them to do, but it is... It's hard to take it seriously. And, you know, it, what, one thing I find interesting, Thorin, is that no one in this conversation, I think people actually forgot because they're so focused. For, for some reason, the, the conversation has been around like Fnatic's undefeated best of one season, right? right? And yeah. then T1's own record in best of threes. Literally, I have heard nobody say the following, which is that one of the other records that is very important and one in which Faker also holds. I already know where you're going here. It's pre-OGN. It's the it's, OGN it's, winter, right? It's the OGN winter in 2013-2014, yeah, where they went 15 undefeated games. They won five 
what what was it? Yeah, 15. They won all of their best of threes in groups and then three or and then three best, yeah, three of, best fives of fives yeah. in the playoffs. So they won 15 straight games and they won five consecutive best of series without dropping a game to win the title. And we don't even know where that was going because <laughs> the, the tournament just ended, right? Yeah. And not only that, but they beat Samsung Ozone, which is the team that would win Worlds that same fucking year. And also 2014 then became... As we went into uh, spring, it did. I think they still had Dada in that final law. Yes, they did. That was before. It was the just Dada before they swapped. Yeah, it was but the they Dada also beat KTB. It's a, they had a mega run. Yeah, of course. Yeah, it was an incredible, incredible run. That absolutely, uh, I haven't heard anybody mentioning this. What, that was forgotten for sure. Yeah. <laughs> because, like, yeah, sure. It should essentially have been held up. I agree. Is the number one example of a perfect season. It's way better than the Fnatic one for fuck's sake. Spoiler: Fnatic's is already even in the regular thing. All my boys, Soaz and Expec here with that Origin team, talking about five games in the final. Like, he's talking about the SKT also three zero the final boys. Like <laughs> a fucking OGN finals. Like, yeah, that was, that's probably the best single season by any team ever yeah exactly and, and also it was the that 2014 ended up becoming the most competitive year ever in korea and that stands to this day because it was before any of the korean teams korean players yes. fucking left it was an absolute banger of a year and even skt they didn't even make it to worlds that year after yeah. they won this tournament without dropping a game that's how competitive things became also piglet and mandu dropped off a cliff like there were other problems right but this was a this was a huge huge accomplishment and faker was literally playing in that tournament so it is also faker the same player who is on this current team's accomplishment and I, I just don't hear anybody talking about that whatsoever, which is a little bit mind-boggling. Well, for an obvious reason, I'm just going to be a cunt now. I don't know why I'm even giving disclaimers. Spoiler, I'll be doing that a lot. But here's the cunt move, Monty. I'm just going to start ruining esports the way you all ruin it for me. So you know, whenever I bring up, I made a great video on this last year, Monty. You know, if I was to bring up Froggen's Prime, so it's like season two to season four, right? You know what everyone would say? They'd all go, oh, stop banging on about that. That's ages ago. It was a different game. But somehow Faker, season three to season five, that's that's relevant somehow. Am I missing something? That's in the same fucking time period. How is Faker allowed to have season three to season five count for him? How is Uzi I allowed to have those two world's finals count for him? But somehow, fucking old school Western players, that doesn't count. They can only be in season nine and season 10 and season 11. What are you talking about, boys? Like your whole career counts. Or yeah, I think it's whack when everyone just deletes history. Because that was, yeah, that was a, come to think of it, you're right, I haven't seen anyone reference that whatsoever. And they they might have, because like, here's the thing, I'll, I'll be honest, guys, I don't watch like the LCK pre-shows, I just skip directly to the games, and so I don't necessarily like, and I also skip around in the games quite a bit, so it could have happened on LCK, but at least in terms of the, the punditry that I've heard... Yeah, yeah. Uh, especially surrounding the scene, that has not been an emph emphasis whatsoever in the conversations that have been going on. And here's here's another question for you before we get Ole on Thorne, because this is absolutely wild to me. We are approaching the LCK playoffs. And currently, as we saw in the T1 versus Fred at Breon game, and as we've referenced previously, there is still no rule in the LCK to allow players to compete from their team facilities they must provide uh, substitutes I know where you're going. when going to this. You're going to have the are problem. Are we just going to ruin playoffs? Are we just yeah. going to fucking ruin playoffs, guys? We're about like to do what we are doing in CSGO every land now, which is if one person pops, they're out the team. So that means, by the way, if for some reason they do a test before the final and Faker pops or Gumiyushi, he's out. Now the fucking sub's in and that's just history. Unfortunately, yeah, that isn't... That's, I, I agree with you, mate. My problem is... 
You either put the contingency that somehow it's possible to play remotely still so the competition can continue, or it has to just only be online. I, I think this middle ground is actually maybe worse than the positive. Because some people get to play online, great. So you get to have a crowd, great. But in history, wouldn't it be whack if, like... I mean, just think of the story already of how we've had to set up their win rate, mate. The whole win record gets sexier and sexier in reverse as you go well there was no gen g and then of course that and then uh, and then Frederick Brion didn't have their real like suddenly it becomes like well i mean they did win but, the games though you know like but but here's the thing though that, that means the whole playoffs essentially we're all just doing this the whole time the whole yeah. time three weeks please please but, but it's not it's not only that it's also going to affect who is in playoffs and also what the seeds are potentially right like yes. it could have already affected uh you know gen g seeding for example because they had to the post the substitutes in the two games that they two matches they played against t1 where you know if they win both of those all of a sudden they're ahead of t1 in the standings right so there's there's a huge question mark here about What's going on? And especially because Korea is getting absolutely slammed by the pandemic right now. Like their cases are through the fucking roof. And as you can see, as more and more players contracted, it is basically it's not there's no containment in Korea right now. It's a complete mess. And so you are almost guaranteed because of the state of the pandemic and the spread of the disease that some members of teams in playoffs will get it in the final week, which could affect seeding or even entrance into the playoffs. or actually in the playoffs themselves, which could have a massive, massive effect. And what I don't get, again, during the pandemic, these teams were playing from their team facilities. They were playing remotely. What is preventing players from playing remotely again? This is ridiculous. This is ridiculous. There is another option. Just let teams play from home. And, and we know it's not even a, a riot policy. Like in LCS, no, just yeah. this past week, FlyQuest had, a, I think, a couple of their staff members test positive, and then the FlyQuest team just played from their facility in Los Angeles out of precaution. Like, why, why is this decision being made in the LCK? And again, who is in charge of this decision? Because we never see the LCK commissioner. Who the fuck is the LCK commissioner? Why do we never see statements from this person? And wh where is the public acknowledgement of what is going on within this league? It is, it, it's, it's embarrassing. It's fucking way, embarrassing. Do you happen to, uh, just a, uh, an aside, if you don't obviously just say it, do you happen to know what the actual policy is? Like, is the logic that like a day or two before they play a match on stage, they do, they have to all do a mandatory test and then it's like a... <laughs> Because the problem I have immediately, <laughs> just as someone who's been to Korea, if people don't know, Korea as a country, I know people get all butthurt, but we're talking with broad strokes here, contrasted. Like, all countries can't be identical in their behaviour. But it's way, contrasted with where I am from, Korea is much more, I would say, unfortunately, of a hypochondriac country. If people don't know, in fact, this is what's hilarious, mate. I might be the first person who ever have a fucking interview with a Westerner with a mask on. LS was wearing one in that old fucking reflections from, like, 2014, you remember? Because he was because at the time he had a cold, so because he was... He's the most, like, Korean of all the Westerns you ever meet. He was already wearing one the whole time because it was social etiquette at the time if you had a cold to wear a mask or the flu to wear a mask. So the problem I have is this. One, I think, unfortunately, it's a country where it would essentially almost be considered dishonorable if you sort of, like, skimped on any of those aspects. You're supposed to yep. be, like, as like strict as possible with all the rulings. And then secondly, unfortunately, this is why I wonder, I wanted to know if anyone knows, like, the frequency of when they do this. Because if it's some sort of scenario where every team is, like, self-testing every day, 
that's just going to increase the chances that one person has like a false positive or something. I'm sorry, it just is. Whereas if in the West, you're already doing like a mandated test once a week, like, it just reduces the chances that someone randomly pops. Again, we're not talking about people who are actually ill. We're talking about there are there is a decent margin of people where they, if you just do enough of them, you can eventually have a, a positive, can't you, unfortunately? And, and here's the thing, Thorne, that we should be extra worried about. T1 hasn't had any of these issues. And as we know, even if these players are vaccinated, it doesn't prevent Omicron breakthrough cases. It prevents them from being as bad, but it doesn't necessarily provide significant protection from you getting it. And so if the T1 players haven't gotten it yet in a country that is being absolutely ravaged right now, you know, I'm just waiting for T1 to actually, you know, have it themselves or somebody on the T1 staff. And then I guess playoffs just gets ruined. I guess that's it, unless they can change the policy. Obviously, Monty means he is just anticipating that would be a terrible outcome that would ruin the playoffs. He doesn't mean I'm just waiting for T1 to get COVID and ruin the playoffs. He doesn't <laughs> no, mean I it like that. that we but, all understand the phrasing. Yes, of course. <laughs> yeah, but you you have to you have to understand that like by not having it this variant recently, it you know you're kind of like well, given the current state of affairs. It's now making it more likely yeah, that they yeah. get it during playoffs than yeah, if they course. just got over it faster. Yeah, unfortunately. Yeah, that's true, actually. Yeah, it's bad. <laughs> it's very bad. So, I mean, I really hope that we have a legitimate, a legitimate playoff here, but I don't see how that is going to be possible if they don't actually reinstitute policies where players can play remotely. And that is what absolutely should be done before the final week of competition. By the way, even though it's miles and miles away, I hope somehow, Monty, we're in a world where you can choose by what method, but we just don't have this set of thresholds to go through to have a tournament. Because imagine worlds if someone like can't play a playoff game or something. It's genuinely going to ruin the narratives. If people don't know, even though this wasn't actually... I mean, it was case partially. Right? We just had a giant event in Counter-Strike that effectively, the results almost certainly were altered by, A, people testing positive and having have standings. And then also like a whole war scenario in the background of some of the teams. Like you, if you watch the games, it absolutely did sort of like sour the mood and ruin a bunch of the matches. So as much as we understand it's not the fault of the person test positive, but we all get all that, but the point is, like, in history, it's just going to ruin the moment, and it's, I hope by Worlds is all just gone, and we're just back to a normal fucking tournament. By the I, way, I had a lot of other LCS talks, but I assume we're going to talk about with all Yeah, we'll things. talk about them with all Italy comes on. And the final thing, Thorin, is that MSI is supposed to be held in May in Korea. Now, I assume, oh, okay, based on the Korea, pattern, right. yeah, I, I, I assume based on the pattern, that's been a leak, by the way. I don't think that's been officially concerned, uh, confirmed because they can't confirm it because of the immigration status in Korea and the, the problems right. with the COVID outbreak um, at this point in time. So but, this is also assuming that they're going to re remove some restrictions or something. Yeah, I mean, they would have to. I think Korea has removed a lot of restrictions and also just based on the way that the Omicron surge has worked in other countries, I would imagine it would mostly die down by May right. um, based on the data that we've seen in, in other places. But uh, who knows? Because the Korean government has been very strict. I mean, I was in Korea for like a month in November and into early December, and I got a quarantine exemption because I have family there. And, uh, you know, I, I have a vaccine that they can check on. And then I had to do all these like, you know, I had to test like the day after I got there and then a week after that with a government facility. And, it you know, it was very... It was very intense. And the way that they moved, they took away quarantine exemptions and then moved it back to 
even if you have a house there, you have to quarantine by yourself. And if you're a foreigner who doesn't live there, you have to quarantine in the government facility. Like that's back on for the most part these days, as I understand it as well. So, you know, this is, I, I don't know how they're going to get people into this country unless the government relaxes some of these restrictions or, you know, they are walking into a scenario where it could still be raging in terms of transmission. And then it's, it would be very difficult for them to host MSI in this country. Um, now, I'll also say, by the way, as an aside, because no one in League of Legends cares, so they're not thinking about this, it's more CSGO where we care. If they have it in Korea, there's actually still a chance the LCL teams can go. Because, spoiler, there's no way those fucking Russian players are coming to Iceland or something like that anymore. That's over, I'm afraid, boys, for the foreseeable future. Yeah, I mean, I... I, 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 I anywhere, like, you, you, obvious, you know. Yeah, it's going to... There are going to be a lot of questions about Worlds. Now, Worlds being in North America, I think there's less of a chance that any of the COVID because there basically are not COVID restrictions in the U S anymore, at least here in Los Angeles, they've, they've lifted all the mask mandates and everything like that. So I mean, it's pretty much back to back to more or less normal, um, even in, even in LA. So I think by the time worlds rolls around, like there probably won't be super big issues with it in the United States. You know, they've already announced they're, uh, letting, uh, fans back into the LCS for playoffs They're doing the finals in Houston. So looks like it's, it's it's kind of okay. Uh, also, part of Worlds is um, the first part's in Mexico, and Mexico has never had any restrictions ever. Like when <laughs> I did the Rainbow Six major in Mexico, I didn't even have to provide a negative test to fly into the country. So that was never. The joke is, I don't even care if people get upset at this. Mexico low key has a mega underrated healthcare system. If people don't know, like I actually saw in airports in Mexico, dude, they have like vending machines that have all those, like, I can't remember what the term that they, I can't remember the fucking name they have for them. You know, all the things that you take immediately. If you think you're getting something like COVID, the initial things you take that, like, I can't remember the name of this fucking term, the terminal, like, it's not like procedurals. It's something like that. It's like the, the thing you take at the beginning when it's very mild. They just sell that in vending machines, dude. All the shit that like everyone in America is scrambling for or like, are you allowed to prescribe it? Are you not? Like that's just available down there apparently. So it also, to be fair, if you were going to have it in a place, sounds like it's a place where you've got the most options available. So could yeah. be pretty good. And you can set up whatever precautions you want as a private company, but they, they have just let anybody in there, which is why you've seen esports events take place oh, there gosh. because it's a lot easier to run them. Even, you know, in the Rainbow Six Major, we rented an entire hotel and then basically quarantined you know a massive hotel where the venue was inside of it so you could create your own bubble if you chose but it made it a lot easier for people from all over the world to get into the event so in any case in any case we should probably get ole on now and uh, we'll be back in a couple of minutes and we'll talk about lcs Right, we're back. We've got our guest here, which is Ole from Golden Guardians. I won't hold against him season nine spring of Golden Guardians, where Froggen was playing some straight fire MVP level mid lane, and Ole here was just fucking inting with Deftly. You know. <laughs> I guess yeah. We won't hold that against you. Look, it's a new day. It's 2022 now, Ole. We've all been through a lot. That was a difficult time in your career. Okay, yeah. Well, I mean, it was a really hard time, but... Yeah, I mean, I, I feel like this year is kind of way harder than before. I really? Yeah. In what way? Oh, uh, I mean, it's what like... The challenges? It's like 2019, we start from 0-4, but somehow we made the spring uh, playoff. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, people don't know, but do you know what happened at at the 2019? Tell me. 
Uh, okay, so at the time, we were doing really well in Scream. And then one day, I, I randomly watched uh, uh, Smoking Cigarette is Bad for Your Health or something. That was on YouTube Where's algorithm. This going? Come on, come on, where's <laughs> this going? <laughs> so that, that, was, that was a YouTube algorithm just yeah. like, popping off to me. So I was like, holy shit, I was smoking this for like years? What the fuck? Okay, I should quit. Otherwise, I'm going to fucking die or get You just got this in 2019 from a random YouTube <laughs> video. So literally before the first stage game in XGS, I literally watched it and I was like, hey guys, oh, I, there were my teammates, like, I, I say, hey, hey guys, I really have to quit cigarette, otherwise I'm gonna get cancer, I'm gonna die. So literally, four, three days before stage game, I literally throwing the cigarette, throwing oh, my life. Must have been so hard, right? Was it, did you get all withdrawals? Was it really hard? Yeah, so but first day was okay, but second day and third day, my like my focus level was getting crazy, like lower and lower. So on stage, like I literally say one thing like, hey guys, I'm not going in, I'm waiting for level six, but I literally engage before level six and then I die. I'm like, what the fuck <laughs> am I doing? What the fuck yeah. am I doing? And then after we lost zero two, and then Nick Smith came in. Holy, what the fuck? Like, what happened? And then I told him, "Oh, I randomly quit cigarette." And then he was like, "What the fuck, Oli? Just smoke cigarette? Like, what? <laughs> like, just why you? Yeah, why you just stop smoking? Like, uh, you're so tilted." So after we zero four, I was like, "Okay, fuck it. I'm gonna smoke cigarette, and I I rather to win instead of dying." So I was like, "Okay, I'm gonna." So I just like, you know, I smoke cigarette, and then we start to win and win, and then we got playoff. So that yeah, was yeah. behind the story. So. So the thing is, if this was like the 1950s, mate, we could make all commercial out of that. It's like, playoff, play, LCS players smoke Marlboro Reds, you know, like fucking... <laughs> <laughs> Some shit like that, right? <laughs> it's all right, Thorin. We just have to be like Formula One and then get the secret cigarette sponsorship, which is like oh, the, right. the Ferrari, like, yeah, uh, yeah. Mission uh, Winnow or whatever the Marlboro thing. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> just do the same thing. It's like, now, this year I don't smoke cigarette. I quit last year. But it's like players should do the same thing like every day. I think yeah, that's yeah. what I learned from twenty. You gotta keep a routine, right? Yeah, keep routine is really the key. Indeed. Uh, <laughs> I I think uh I think that as as much as as smoking is dangerous in the long term for you, Ole, probably trying to quit cold turkey during a season is not the best idea that uh yeah yeah, yeah. That, that was the worst idea there was the worst idea in my life like court turkey before stage game i was like completely off my mind like i didn't know like that's actually fucking hilarious yeah. <laughs> and needless to say guys uh obviously like many of the korean pro smoke because smoking is much more common in korea overall Although yeah. they, they cracked down big time on it. Um, when I got to Korea, you could still smoke in bars. And then they banned that uh, when I lived there. And then they like doubled the price of cigarettes. There's still only like five, four or five bucks a pack, which is like way uh -huh. cheaper than, yeah. than America. But they used to be like $2 a pack. So, uh -huh. yeah, it was uh, interesting times. So anyway, that's, that is a wonderful story. Also, speaking of frogging, you know, the, here's a story about Ole and me. Because the first time I met Ole was at IEM San Jose in 2014. Yeah, and he was playing on Pain Gaming <laughs> from Brazil. the Brazilian team. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And you know, here's the thing about Ole that you guys might not know is that Ole's been all over the fucking world, right? He's a truly international yeah, lol yeah. player. And 
outside of the game and, in, uh, you know, inside the game. But Ole is known for being very smart as a person. Um, uh, like, you were a very good student, right? Yeah, I study very hard. Yeah, really yeah. hard. Yeah. So a lot of a lot of professional LOL players in Korea are not good students. They, you know, their families maybe don't have a lot of money, and so they end up playing League of Legends. Ole, definitely not that. People quit uh, early as well, you know, when yeah. like 13 or something. Yeah. <laughs> so what was so interesting is that Pain Gaming's like coaches and management were there, and they were telling me how fast Ole learned Portuguese. Okay. Uh, in in when he was in Brazil and his English was still pretty good at the time too. So I was talking to him at this party and he was like so he he didn't know Froggen. He was like so excited to meet Froggen, like the legendary Froggen. And oh. I I he was telling me about this so I was having a conversation with him. So I was like, "Do you want me to just introduce you to Froggen?" And so I did and they like start talking the entire time. Like later on they become teammates and so that was uh that was the beginning in which Ole started to like get into the the North American League of Legends scene. Oh. Uh-huh. I mean, but yeah. the reason why I could join the North American uh, was because of you, Monte, isn't it? Like, well, it's kind of like when IMT looking for support, yes. he, they ask you, and yes. then we say like, oh, maybe look, talk, talk to all or something. I did but, say that. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't have any relationship with any, you know, people in NA. Like, when I got offer from, like, not even offer, like, IMT core, like, contact me do you want to have a tryout do you want a call i was like i have no one like i literally have zero person like knowing lcs but like like who the fuck told me about it you know and then yeah in the end i, I figured out there was monte cristo telling imt about me so well i appreciate I mean, it yeah because you were on kt and here's the other we can go into the ole facts so here's another one because i i see weird comments about your name sometimes uh-huh. um so because people don't know that Ole, I've never been to Korea. <laughs> that like Ole is like the catchphrase of, or was, I don't know if actually it still is, was the catchphrase of KT Telecom, like the telecom uh-huh. company. Yeah. So when, when you joined KT, you like named yourself after their like mantra. It would be like if you were sponsored by Nike and you named yourself Just Do It. Which there you go. Yeah, something like that. that's right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like, the, before I played League of Legends, my nickname was the Toxic. And then the, I was playing some gun game, but that time my nina was toxic. And then when I talked to my coach, hey, my nina was toxic. Can I use toxic? And he was like, better not to do it. And then I was like, okay. And I asked my mom, hey, mom, what should I do? And then she's just like, do whatever you want. Okay, I'm going to go Ole. And then that, that was the whole story. Like, yeah, I'm which best. which yeah. is hello backwards, by the way, which is, I think, where it came from with KT. Right. Um, so... Uh, yeah, way, the most underrated part, dude. The craziest one to me is remember how many years Ole has been around, like NA League of Legends. Do you know how many people aren't aware he even played in the LMS? Yeah, like, I mean, when I actually first saw you, Ole, was when you were on that Hong Kong esports team where you were like that close to going to Worlds a couple of times. Uh, that was painful, yeah. No, I but it's it, uh, like I'm sure again, you had to speak different languages, stuff. It's very difficult, right? Yeah, I mean, but also, what I realized is like. You know, I went to Brazil that time. Pain Gaming was the last place team, and then okay. you know, somehow Pain, I like we worked really hard, and the Pain Gaming got number one in the end. And then after I left, they put like BRTT and then new support, and then they got number one, and they went to World Championship. Uh, and after, yeah, yeah, and then I went to Hong Kong Esports. My Hong Kong Esports was the also last place team almost, and then I made them, you know, okay. and then. You know, really close to World Championship. Okay. And then I fail. And then now I went to. Oh, wait a second. I'm getting a call. 
Right, Ole, uh, there's a guy called Reginald wants to talk to you. You got a, you got a moment, mate? He says <laughs> he thinks he can work a deal out with you. <laughs> I mean, You're apparently a miracle worker, so it's pretty good taking all these last players' teams. He's, he's, he's going to yeah. reunite, reunite you with double lift in the bot lane. What I realized is like, you know, whenever I went to other region, there were always number one, number two team, right? That time, Kid Gaming was number one in Brazil. And when I went to Hong Kong, uh, Hong Kong Esports, they were like AHQ, Flash Wolves, they were clearly number one team. So I, I always in the position that I need to challenge. So when I moved to LCS, I was also challenger, you know, it's like, me, I, they just like, put me with the Cody Sun, so I need to, you know, play so hard to get, you know, somehow a playoff. And yeah, we know about Cody Sun. We know. Yeah, about and then, he plays in the RL style. <laughs> he plays in the LFL. If people don't know. Yeah, after first year, I got lucky getting, you know, offer from Team Liquid. You know, playing with the double lift and then, you know, really good player. So the, I think only Team Liquid was the first time that kind of putting myself with the really like you know number one players so i i was kind of thinking it's like because when i after i uh my contract over in uh taiwan with the hong kong esports flash roofs gave me the offer like the salary was not really good but like they gave me offer oh okay only we uh, we want to put you with the soul dart together and then i was like wow that that should be my opportunity you know but that time i empty like paycheck. Hey, Ole, are you are you sure? And I was like, oh. <laughs> so yeah, I think I that time I had to choose like, do I want to be in the top team in Taiwan or should I challenge you again in North America? So yeah, I, at that time I choose the IMT after. Wait, I actually yeah. have realized, Ole, your entire career is somehow like hidden. It's like you're a shadow person or something. Because here's the other thing: if I asked fans. Who was Doublelift support when he first won in Team Liquid? They're all going to just say Core JJ, dude, even though it wasn't. It was actually Ole. <laughs> it was Ole won two championships, if people aren't aware. Yeah, he yeah. really did. Uh, he was there. That was him. Yeah. I was mean, saying, you know, before I joined Team Liquid, the Team Liquid was, was like literally the worst team in the League of Legends. I've seen the trend there. Yeah. Yeah. They're, yeah. Like, they're playing like Navigate or whatever. And then, yeah, yeah. Uh, and then when they got over from Team Liquid, I was like, is that good already organization? You know, I was not even sure, but uh, I truly believe on the XMC at that moment. So okay, I follow Jake no matter what. So I just like, you know, I just go there. But yeah, I mean, like, Can I ask you a question uh, about Xmithy actually. Yeah, I always is he alive? Have you seen him recently? I think he's still looking for I don't know wanna be coach. I think. Okay. But, yeah. I mean, but here's like, my question. Uh, you know, in Korea, like uh, the, the vibe at work is sort of like, it's a bit like in the West, you say like work hard, play hard. So you have to work really hard at your job. But if you go out with your boss and you have a dinner, everyone's drinking soju, the shots drinking, you know, you just put it behind you. I've heard Ick Smithy was a bit of a partier when he's in Team Liquid. Like he was the guy who might just be out on Friday night, even if there's a game on Saturday. Is it is any, any truth to this? What would you say? Okay, so here, here's the thing. I think when I look at the LCK veteran player and then I look at LCS veteran player, I feel like it's like LCS player, it's like, I'm going to be really honest, okay? So LCK oh. player, like the veteran players are faker, depth. Like they are two, two years younger than me, but they are the oldest there, you know? Because if you start to be like kind of complacent and they don't play solo too much or don't play like, 
14 hours, like something like that. The coach gonna warn them, like, what the fuck? Like, let's say I was playing like 17 hours a day and then I randomly play like eight hours only, and the coach gonna be like, oh, oh what the fuck? What happened yeah, with yeah. you? And then if I don't have a good reason, they'll be like, hmm, that's interesting. Okay, let's see. And then a few weeks later, the Akali player or whatever person come take my spot. You know, that's what happened in HK. But in HS, it's like, okay, so I when I play less and less, and then the coach is going to say something. But like, the coach has no other option. That's the problem. Yes, exactly. Yeah, so it's like, you know, even the Team Liquid, uh, at the time, people know XMC didn't actually play much as other, you know, young jungler. But what he's winning every stage game. So why you want to replace him? You know, there's no other option. Exactly. Yeah. But also, I was kind of surprised. They 2019 like XMC won four times in a row, and then they randomly like threw XMC away with yeah, the great. Brox, Broxa. I don't know. But yeah. I think that's really weird for me, at least in NA. Because at least he gave you, uh, he gave the trophy for Team Liquid. Yeah, and it was why just like threw him away. But the thing is, well, whoever import come to NA, like I think only exception is Core and Impact. Like there are really few import player just keep doing same thing over and over. Perfect. But other imports will be like two or three years later they start to be complacent. I think uh, nowadays I look at other team. It's like you know when I was in. Here, 2019, so, let's say a player were playing like really crazy whole day in solo queue. Now I look the player, it's like they don't even play like three games a week. I'm like, what the fuck they're even doing? It's because I'm even playing champion queue. I checked like every player. They are not even playing. And now they are not even playing court, even any solo queue. I'm like, what right, they're out doing? Them, out them, out them, Ole. Who isn't huh? playing? Name the names. Who isn't who isn't playing in Champions Q? Ole, naming the people who aren't doing things is not flaming them. Oh. It's just telling it's just that's just a reflection of reality. You're not offering an opinion on it. Oh, okay. Okay. I mean it's like uh, okay, okay. I'm not gonna name it, but I'm gonna name oh, the no, team. No. Yeah, name the okay. team. So uh, you know, when I was actually getting rank three ish in Champion Q, I was a little type one day. I was like typing every team like TSM, Hundreds, like GGS, whatever. And then you know there were like you know three teams actually literally zero games oh for a week. Oh uh, yeah, and then that was like really surprised me. Oh, uh, like I you know it's like three th three teams didn't play any of the Champions Q for a whole week. Uh, I think first was the TSM. I think sh I think Shani was only playing Champion Q from TSM. Uh, maybe fair, some of the TSM players look like they've yeah. never played League of Legends ever in their life. So yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, then uh, <laughs> keep going anyway. <laughs> the other teams. <laughs> And then I was checking Hondresif, uh, and then Hondresif was kind of playing, but not spamming it. And then right. our team was like, I think our team is the most uh, kind of playing it compared to okay. other team. And then what EG, was the same? EG, uh, of course. EG playing a lot. And what else? Team Liquid, I think Bioxon was always playing, and Hansama. And then, yeah, I think Tier was really playing well. Uh, I think it's like five team playing okay enough. And the five team actually really not play much. Right. So I, I don't know. I then I question like I didn't ask them straight, like what they are doing. You know, it's like 
the fun fun fact in North America is like you know, twelve to five p.m. you play uh, like scream, and then after five p.m. the team is like, guys, do whatever you want. It's free time, but it shouldn't be like actual free time. It's like it should be like okay, our scream is done. It's the individual work time, you know. But like, yeah, yeah. what people, what I got is like, all free guys, do whatever you want. Fine, you know, but if this happened in SK, it's like SK literally gonna open solo queue no matter what. Even though now some Chinese random super can come in, whatever, but it's like people gonna just play it. But like here, after 5 p.m., and then yeah, you have a dinner time, maybe you have to cheer for one hour for mental care, whatever. But after 6 7 p.m., where are you? Like, where are you? Like, even. Like this, like especially last week, the champion queue got you know AP didn't matter. So I was I I I played I I look for queue. I literally wait for five hours. No one actually looking for game. I'm like, where are you guys? It's like, like the also the weird thing is like you know only rank ten got money. So like besides rank ten, there were like two hundred people actually didn't even matter about the money. So. You know, when AP doesn't matter, they should actually keep playing because you guys didn't get money anyway. But like now, like there's no one. I mean, today one p after one p.m. the champion queue gonna start. But like I was really confused about people not playing even champion queue. So it's like when champion queue was like kind of launching out, people were saying like, "Oh, better ping, oh better environment," yeah. and then people let's play together, <laughs> ha ha ha. And what I got is like. End of the champion queue split, people start to play less and less because they realize they are not getting money. I'm like, I think money should be just like reward when you just practice hard. It's not like yeah. you have to it's aim the goal. for. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So goal is like, get better in the game. It, yeah. it, what they don't realize, Ole, is that they can also make money by playing more League of Legends and then getting a better contract on a LCS team by improving their performance. Yeah, I mean it is. But it's like <laughs> what I what I got is like people like everyone is just complaining about the each other. It's like any sucks, any player sucks, or their solo queue sucks, their communication sucks. So why then everyone sucks here and they're like and then if you don't play and there's no any improvement. It's like in solo in when I was like last year when I played Korean solo queue, what I realized is like literally everyone just like playing whole day. And then, you know, and then when I got rank 10-ish, people just, like, figure out I was playing Q. They literally slap up at me. And then, like, kind of challenge me, like, I have to play new champion. And then it's, like, every game, like, I need... And then I face against, like, Keria, like, Life, like, Delight. They're really insane players. Best, yeah. Yeah, and then they play solo Q after three blocks of scream. Like, really insane. But now I got here, and then I feel like... People are not even like trying best because it's like in in Korea solo queue. What I have done like fourteen hours or sixteen hours solo queue is a normal for every pro player. But here I do same thing like how I did in Korea. People are like, "Oh, Ole, you grind so hard." I'm like, "No, this is normal for Korea. It's, it's so normal. It's like like I you know actually before the end of split like Sven." Uh, looking for uh, uh, Zven and Kauri, they are like some certain uh, Jojo Pion. I like, play a lot. Yeah. Certain player, like really spinning yeah, Zven, game. Zven is a grinder for sure. Yeah, he grinds so so hard. But like, 
if they come to Korea, people are not gonna call him grinder. People call them just like yeah, they're just playing game. Like who care? You know, it's like because everyone doing like fourteen hours at least. It's like they are not gonna be special in Korea. But like it's kind of like kind of funny for me. It's like I just do basic normal thing, and then people think I'm grinding so hard, like for my dream or something. No, this is this is just basic attitude in Korea. Yeah. yeah, but here's the thing, though. You got to take in English. There's an idiom that says you got to take the rough with the smooth. Like even things are bad, there's good inside. So the upside is this all here. If everyone actually did really practice and try really hard and do a good job in America, there wouldn't be easy for people like you to just rock up and just take their job, would they? So good news <laughs> is you're always going to be a hard worker, like you said, compared to those Americans. You know, fucking double lift, mate. He's his idea is like watch one less anime. That's like wow, he's really in worlds mode now. Holy fuck! Like you know, these, even the best players don't try, dude. Yeah, I mean, I mean that's the like the environment stuff because like it's like let, let's say you know like I don't have a kids, but like you know in kind of rich family, usually they throw their kids in the really good environment school, right? Oh. Because because everyone is studying hard there, so it's like studying hard is normal. In the environment, yes. but I mean, it's not that good, you know, environment to study hard because when you study hard, people see you while you're doing it. Hey, just have a better life. What the fuck, you know? It's like kind of see you in real way, but like, like in Korea, it's like really good, like high school, like yeah, yeah. better environment. It's like everyone study hard, and then of course, if you study like hard, then they're like, mm, yeah, you're doing right job. You know? Dude, I figured it out. Here's the secret. This is why I should be the LCS commissioner. Here's how you make LCS pros really care about playing in Champions Q. Okay, I'm ready. Like, it's, you know, I don't know if you know this, but in CSGO, Counter-Strike, the game I came from, one of the things they did to make the viewership go up is okay. they made it that if you watched the game and your account was connected to Twitch, you would randomly, if you were lucky, just get dropped a, an item, a skin for the game. So Ooh. loads of people would watch. What you need to do is this. Randomly, if you play Champions queue, you never know when you're going to get it. It's just there's a set amount of people. You just get access to an exclusive Yeezy drop. Right there, you all here. Every pro grinding 14 hours a day. Fucking sticks under their eyes. Coffee. Coffee. They're probably smoking. I think I've solved it for you there, right there, mate. A new Yeezy drop. There you go. I, I, yeah. I, will, I will push back a little bit, Ole, because I think this is an, an interesting conversation because, you know, your, your attitude is very much like the same way that most Koreans appro approach, like, you know, grinding out schoolwork right and yeah. there there has been very credible research that after a certain point like if you're in your 14th hour of gaming are you really learning anything at that point in time or are you just kind of like is your brain shut off and you're just kind of like physically doing it right um are you are you actually like engaging and, and improving you know once you reach like 13 14 hours a day i think there's a brain get tired do you, you know you okay. start taking okay. it for okay. Okay. okay so here's the thing i think to be good player to be a good player, you don't need to spam it. You don't need to actually spam the game. But to be the actually best, sharpest player, you should spam it. Because mm. it's like, when you watch the T1 game, it's like, they, you know, against KT, they won the 3v5 situation. It's yep. like, that, that time, just general that one second moment, you flash earlier or not matters. And then you also can see the RD charm or enemy AD auto attack. It's a like really small thing can change a lot. So to actually compete for the really top team, you should spam it. 
because you, that time is it's all it's all about knowledge. It's about your your you know your brain gonna just like react it because it's like in worship ship you know I saw the carrier just like lantern flash just dodge the chubby combo. That that's that's not like you just like can have it. You just because you spam the game, you see yes. you see the game kind of slowly at the moment, and then you react to it. So it's like I kind of admire the T1. I like when I watch their stream, it's like everyone just like spamming game till till whole night, and then they just play scream together. They play solo queue together. I really like their environment, and that should be what every team has to do to be to compete for best team but yeah, yeah. i don't see that from you know i only see that from gng and t1 i don't know like what other teams are doing even in hk but like i don't know i really like the t1 environment how they yeah, set yeah. up like this yeah but it's true monty i sort of agree with him here's the problem if i was asking and this is the mistake i actually think western teams make because yeah. for pr in interviews they want to sound like they care about the player as a person not just as a pro player like oh i really care about you know he's a more like in your case when they were trying to be like oh we're going to help them understand finances and education it's like that's all great but winning in the game is first and foremost and the problem is this even though in theory i agree if you want to have a nice life i wouldn't suggest grind a video game 14 hours a day but i do uh, agree with all of because I've, when I've seen in sports, the greatest players of all time do have that maniacal practice streak yep. in them. And actually, what he's saying, I think, is a very valid counter. I agree, Monty. 14 hours in, you're probably not, like, anywhere close to as sharp on, like, hour four or something, whatever the sweet yeah. spot is. But I, I do think Korean esports could be a good example of, because in StarCraft Brood War... It was always the best players who had the star sense. They just somehow, yeah. from a billion hours of playing, they could. It was almost like for real. They would just be like sensing a glitch in the matrix. Like I felt something in the force, and then they just, like he said with the carrier flash, they would just do like the maddest move ever. And you just think there's no way he could have calculated that. But it's like he's just like he's just in the game at that point in the time, you know. I mean, yeah. here's a here's a here's a uh, a deep cut. Here's some real esports lore for you that I don't think I've ever really discussed publicly. But um, so it's a story about Ma Jae-yoon, uh, who is his ID was Savior, who is uh -huh. one of the most infamous because of match fixing Brood War uh -huh. players of all time. Yeah. And I, when I was living in Korea, I talked to people who used to be part of the CJ organization, um, CJ Entis, which was Savior's team, and some of some of the people there. We're telling me stories about how Savior, like at his peak, was on some like insane bender, basically like hedonism, where he they would literally like he all the time, yeah, yeah, he was partying all the time. He would go out at night, and they'd have to like find him in the morning and shit like that. And he was still he was still playing some of the best StarCraft that's ever been played. So I, I mean. There, there, there are differences between people. Here's the problem. If I say this part of the story, people are going to take it too extreme because they don't know the cultural context. Like, I heard the similar story, Monty, that he was doing stuff like where you wake up on the bench, like, yes. and then you just go back to the gaming house. Now, the problem is in the West, they're going to think that means like, oh my God, he's generous. It's like, no, people actually did that back then. Like, it, you see like businessmen sometimes, they just get too drunk, they can't make it home, you know. Yeah, it happens sometimes. That's as, far as crazy as it sounds. As far yeah. as I can tell, the primary job of the police in Korea is to get drunk people home. Just move 
move you along. Because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> here's the it's thing, though. There's one, there's one detail, though, that Westerners don't get about that drinking culture, though, Ollie. When you go into work the next day, no one talks about it. It's just you're supposed to put it behind you. We're at work now. You don't get judged because you have like, a slight hangover. They're all going to have a hangover if they went out to the boss or whatever. So you, yeah. people just like, it's like I say, you, you, you work hard and then you play hard. Uh-huh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, but it's like... Like you, you say Majin, right? It's like there's a Junior Lee. It's kind of same person. Like he won three times in StarCraft, but what like people, mean. yeah, what people say is like he didn't even practice, or he just like played random music on in final. Here's, he's here's a, <laughs> since we're talking about all the people who have been put in jail for max fi- match fixing, save your life. Uh, here's another one for you. Um, yeah. A story about life. So you know what? It may have been. That same IEM San Jose that we met at. Let me check real quick. Um, yeah, hold on. Yeah. It was okay. one of the IEM San Jose's. Let me just look it up. It's when he won BlizzCon or something. You no, know, it was the one where he won IEM San Jose. Oh, uh, yeah. That's at this tournament as well. Yes, I think so. Okay. He was there. It, yeah, it was literally <laughs> the same event. It was literally, so this is actually a hilarious story about the same event uh, for StarCraft. Life was insanely hungover when he won that event like he oh, was cool. he was like dying and he was like he was hungover to fuck and then he ended up actually winning that final um, the final no, no no wait i thought he it was the one he won hold on it was the one he won i don't think he was at 2014 actually was the one the next year it may have been the one the next year but it was one of those events where he was just like, it was like mega hungover. Maybe it was BlizzCon, actually. I'm, I'm, I'm mixing BlizzCon it up one time. But he did, he did win one event that I was at where he was like incredibly hungover. Um, so yes, the same, same thing. Zerg uh-huh. match fixers uh, apparently are the ones who party hard. Yeah, I mean, like if you are actually so much better than the opponent. I think you can get hungover. Like if like some people give me like like so many drink and then ask me, hey Ole, go to play against like platinum player. No, well, I, I think I'll be fine. Just like you know, or I can just like still outplay them. But it's like I think that should be. But before the hungover day, I you know he should put a lot of effort or understanding the meta or whatever. I don't think that gonna be just happen. Just like. Because he's so genius, you know. <laughs> anyway, uh, we, we, hey. I'm sure we could talk about uh, drunk Zerg all day, but we could talk yeah. about LCS as well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've got a question for you because one of the main topics, Ole, that's basically overshadowed this split of LCS was okay. the whole drama with LS and Cloud9 because everyone wanted to see, you know, LS before was a guy whose ideas were very theoretical and people okay. wanted to see what happens when you try it in a real server. Like, you know, if you actually had good players, like people like Summit are obviously very good. If he had players, yeah. like, you know, what would happen if he put his philosophy into the game? Right, everyone knows obviously he only lasted like two weeks and then he was out. But I saw he made a very interesting comment the other day where when Cloud9 played Team Liquid, even though in the end Cloud9 did win the game, I actually saw that LS said he hoped they would lose the game. And it wasn't, by the way, because he's salty because they kicked him over. He actually had a very interesting point. He said basically that whereas when he was coaching them, you notice he was going for like a very like innovative approach with like unique comps no one's seen, or people even first timing champions on stage, so you can't prepare for 
them. He said now, like Cloud9 basically is just more of like a normal team. Like, like you see it, like Summit just plays the strongest champions. That's it. He doesn't try to like trick you. He just plays what he thinks he's strongest at. In fact, in general, the team seems to have gone more to that. So I think his logic, which was a very big topic, always in LCS, was uh-huh. the problem sometimes in LCS is people will do simple things in LCS because the first step to get to Worlds is you've got to win LCS, right? Or come top team. So the problem is they put too much of the year into like simple things like that. And then you go to Worlds, but at Worlds, if you haven't like pioneered a unique style or innovated something, you're just going to be a worse version of the LCK team or the LPL team. So I think that was what he was getting. I want to know what you think about this topic. Like is LCS, do they play too standard? What do you think about this topic? Okay, so I think here's the thing. So uh, in LCS, the problem I think is like we only have a one block the scream you only play five games of scream and uh, i'm not sure other teams are doing second or third block but i'm pretty sure i know c9 i know c9 does other blocks probably one of the reasons why c9 doesn't play a lot of champions queue is because they scrim their 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 academy team yeah i think that i think scream block actually really matters because i i I think hk like some like one day the africa freaks randomly start to like triple block because the, their head coach was a striker player. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, so like, they just, also have uh, they also have yeah, your former coach on Liquid, Kane. Yeah, yeah. So I I think they're just like spamming screen block. But like in okay, so in SCS, the okay, uh, let's say besides except C nine, nine teams are doing like one block. You only play five games, and then you can only be blue side three times or two times. So every game the band and the picks will be kind of similar unless you just like open everything like but people want to play the same thing on proper side like before was jelly jinx or like when or something mm-hmm. so you're gonna have same first pick like you're gonna first pick rise you're gonna first pick hecarim it's gonna be all the same but once you know in uh ls actually approach it's like the draft always same so people want the same draft over and over so i think i'm i don't i'm not I don't know him, but he's. I guess he saw this. What if we just randomly pull over random shit? Like, did they ever practice against Soraka mid? Did they ever practice against fucking Ivor mid? No, I don't think so. But it's like the good good thing about how LS did was like only C9 gonna have uh, experience with the Soraka yes. mid before the stage game. Yep. And then when we play against them, it's like we are even though we are winning early game. At some point, we, we threw once, but when game was kind of 50-50, we have no idea how to actually slaughter, like, slaughter their team fight, like how, how to win them. It's like going with the, like, I don't know, that was Ibami or Sorakami, like, really hard to kill them. If we don't one-shot them, we just lose anyway. So I think how LS approach, I think I kind of understand. I agree with it at some point, but it's like, Clearly, she, the LS pick up the one of the best laner in Korea, oh, and gosh, yeah. and I when I was in Korea, so like the the Berserker, I met him every like really many games. Like he was always around one thousand RP in Korea solo queue. He was doing always good. So when they when I heard they are getting these two people, I knew they are gonna just like, stomp. Like anyway, right, whatever, whatever they pick. Like like before I fly to North America, you know, I met Bonsaka in my team. And then enemy first pick Kaisa, I, I just blind barred. And then what Bonsaka was did was he just picked Soraka. Soraka ID. And I was like, what the fuck? Okay, let's fucking do it. And then 
we just two, we win two v two with the Soraka Bard, and then he solo kill Kaisa in challenger game, and I was like, wow, this guy gonna just smurf in North America anyway. So it doesn't matter what they think actually. I I think the as uh, whatever draft I I think because he pick up the really good player, they are gonna win. But now it's like you know there's no LS. They got the just like basic head coach. They gonna do normal draft. They gonna win because it's just a player gap. I feel like so. Yeah. Every top lane I see, it's a fucking player gap, mate. Yeah. I mean, it's <laughs> nothing. Yeah, it's it's gonna work because. But but it's like it's kind of so at some point I don't know. It's like when the Oceania turns to be the what is it the not import anymore. Yes, it's like people are picking up lots of the OCR people, right? Yeah, yeah. And then I think I checked the Wikipedia. It's like there are less and less Korean people, and I I think it's kind of like you know it's like symptom. I don't know why why this happened. Yeah, yeah. yeah but it's like I I think the Core JJ impact doing well, and then I think Ignan was also doing well. It's like I th- I don't know why Korean getting less pickup. I think I was. I, mean, I, I will say, it, like, one obvious point would be, one, oh. they are Australian, they speak English already, and then two, I'm going to oh. go ahead and guess, like, Isla is cheaper to pay than fucking Ignar, if I had to guess, you know. <laughs> I imagine Ignar wants a little bit of money, you know. Seems like a swag kind of guy. So, it's like, they pick up the Bonsacre and win some, but they were not in SK. They were actually That's SK true. challengers, right? But it's like, it's like they are just they they were not playing SK because they were yeah you know your AD is fucking Kumarishi yeah, you yeah. are not gonna take his spot but yeah. you are just below Kumarishi that doesn't mean you are bad that means you are actually good but because you're compo- like you're like you have to against uh, Kumarishi yeah, yeah. and that's why you don't play SK. And then I think C9 the pick away was smart. Okay, I we cannot get Kumarishi. So what's the best after? Oh, there's a second team. Okay, let's pick up this guy. And then <laughs> working. Like I I think it's it's like the challengers team actually doing really well. I feel like Winston and Bonsacar they're they're doing well. And the Summit I think Summit is the only case he's just playing HK and they come to NA. I, I think I don't know if he's he's gonna be super expensive or not, but it's actually working. I, so, I'm so I'm gonna, I am just going to say all that. How are you going to criticize Oceanic Import? You play with one in your lane. Most <laughs> is from Australia. Yeah. <laughs> you, you accidentally slammed your own man. <laughs> you played yeah. in your lane, dude. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. So, I mean, it's like, I, I think the HST should look for. It's like, I'm not like we like HST should also keep up the the North America talent. Yeah, yeah. But it's like, but still, it's like when you look for import, I you know I'm it's not even I'm Korean. I feel like the if you are picking up the Korean people, it'd be more competitive. I feel like because it's like at least they're gonna spam the game. I don't know actually, but. I yeah, think yeah. yeah, they they have really hard work work ethic, and then you know it's like they're just like basic attitude towards the game. 
maybe question really... all there because one one thing that is a concern because i've had friends who are owners of lcs teams who ask similar question like should i get get this like big name guy from korea or this up-and-coming player and one thing that's always a concern i know is they uh, worry that when the korean player goes to the lcs like he might get lonely or he might like feel like the world's too different from korea and seoul or the, the, he's not watching i mean i guess he used to watch the tv shows but he can't be part of culture in the same way you know Do, like when you first came to the west is that was that not an issue for you is that not kind of like a bit of a burden mm, i think i think so i'm actually too different from the normal koreans because you know yeah. as a, as we first talk about i was being in other country for years so sure. you know for me it was like i was like happily traveling you know i was like really happy right. in other country but when when i joined the imt that was the first time i was playing with the korean uh as actually like i was playing with other korean before but like flame was Lacty, yeah, yeah, Flame actually wanted to have a Korean person in okay. his team because otherwise he's gonna feel lonely. Well, of course, if people so, don't know, he doesn't. He doesn't have very strong English. Yeah, so actually, when I when I was in IMT, like you know, Flame literally talked to me till like five a.m., three a.m. Like I had to listen to the same conversation over and over. I was like, oh yeah, and then sometimes I just like, do you say, oh yeah? Remember uh, when I didn't win that final versus MVP? uh-huh when i should have won uh, right yeah <laughs> uh, like really like or sometimes he talk about some you know his just normal life stuff i just like listen to five of him i was like i was sleeping like oh yeah what, what did you say you know but because we because i was there i think he was he told me it was fine for him but i think that's why you know when i look at the c9 in their video it's like Fudge and Blubber tried to learn some random Korean. They were like, try to speak, make them feel comfortable. And they, I, I think they also have to like, uh, hire a Korean chef or something. Make them yeah. feel really... So I, uh, yeah, that's I a talk, good idea, actually. I talked to Jack about this. And so previously, so there have yeah. been years where C9 had just Korean food all the time. Uh -huh. And for the last couple of years, they didn't do that. And then Jack oh. told me this year that they were starting only Korean food again, Korean chef. Oh my again. God. I'd be so happy. I was, I was crying every morning. I'm like, oh, I can't eat Korean food. Oh. <laughs> you, know, you know what's funny? You know what's funny, uh, Ole, is like, it's not even hard to find somebody in Los Angeles who can who can do that because there's oh, like, oh. It, like you know, my wife was was GM of uh of the London Spitfire Overwatch League team and they were all Korean and yeah. you know, there are tons of these like ajumas that you can get who yeah, just like be <laughs> team house mom and they'll yeah. just come to your house and make you fucking amazing food. I would go over there to eat all the time because it was so uh -huh. good and then she was just so nice to all the players, the just streamer, all that shit. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So it's easy to do. You should just ask Golden Guardian. No. Also, most of you know, even um, yeah. at least uh, Jack. Jack has always told me he's like, yeah, even the you know, even our like American players always just loved it. I mean, I love. I would eat Korean food. Yeah, all, all the time. It doesn't matter to me. If you're gonna scrib all day, it's also very light food. It's not gonna be all heavy like a burger and make you feel all weird. Like you're gonna be able to keep going all day. Yeah, I mean, like GGS used to have that in 2019. But I don't know what happened. They just like change it. Uh, so we have to order every every day from the the whatever. But I don't know. It's just gone. So every day I'm I have to eat the sandwich, burger, some salad, granola, or whatever. It's like I just like I just look at food. I'm like. <laughs> oh. I like I like how uh, you know oh, Olay's yeah. just low key throwing everyone at GGS uh, under the bus. So we didn't even mention that he he actually like. 
he, you know, Licorice was like catching some strays earlier. Famous guy who like loves to take it easy, doesn't want to grind all the time. Then he's like throwing Lost under the bus. Now he's just throwing GGS management under the bus. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, it's like, it's, uh, I, I just follow the team. So uh, I mean, like I because you know I don't want to against you know. It's like if our like if there are ten people. Or like nine people want to do something, and then I'm the only one want to do other thing. I gonna follow there, you know. Yeah, I'm not gonna be like, fuck it, yeah, yeah. give me Korean, yeah, yeah. give me Korean. No, I'm not gonna do this. I'm gonna okay, sandwich. Fine. Exactly. <laughs> like a good support player, he just follows up. No matter, even if he knows it was doomed and he could never win this two v two. We all yeah. know you have to follow your ADC up and you have to die with him. That's yeah. how a good support player is. Again, we all. Yeah. Know. All I mean, know. like when, when I was in Team Liquid, there was a, so they got they hired the Mexican the chef. I don't think was Mexican, but he was really nice to everyone, and uh, he he was kind of father for us. If he cooked something. I look at food. It was like fully American stuff. And then I don't want to eat. I just like, uh, okay, I'm gonna order other food. Fine, and they just order some <laughs> random Japanese or Korean food, and they eat a lot. So, yeah, I mean, like, if I, you know, if I don't like it, I should get it by myself. I do, I'm, oh, but I'm not gosh, gonna yeah. ask them like, change your food, change your food, like kid, you know. I've got a question for you, Ole. I appreciate, I mean, Ole, that you're one of the few pro players capable of taking care of yourself, because that's rare. Anyway, yeah. continue, Thor. Have, yeah. have you ever heard of a concept? It's just like a fun idea for like a story where it's called the Cursed Monkey Paw. Do you know this story? Do you know the, the premise? No, why is that? Oh, bit, I'll give you the quick story. So okay. there's a guy and he's out in the middle of like, I don't know what country this would be, Saudi Arabia or something, somewhere in the Middle East, right? You imagine like 200 years ago this is. And he okay. goes to a, a bazaar. That's basically their name for a market, you know, like a street market where they're selling your like rugs and then like vases and little monkey guys there. And, stuff. and then he goes to this rare item dealer who has all these like, you know, relics and magical items. And he uh -huh. buys from him this monkey paw. And it's like he only listens to the first part of the description. The guy tells him, the guy, the merchant tells him, like, if you buy this monkey paw, you get the, for each finger, you get a wish and the wish has to come true. And the problem is the, the guy's about to explain the rest of the conditions, but the guy just says, deal. And he just throws the money at me, takes the monkey paw. But what he doesn't know is the wish always comes true but you don't know how it's going to come true. And that's why it's cursed because you ask for something oh. good, but it delivers it in a bad way. So here's what happens. A lot of people don't know this, but I actually happen to know you found one of these last year in the off season. And when you yeah. found it, you said, right, my only wish, because look, you never know how good a team is in LCS. I was on that team once that went zero four. Then I was on Immortals. It was in the finals. You can never know how good they are. So all I want is, since I know the history of LCS, I yeah. just want my mid laner to be better than Bjergsen. And the monkey pot... <laughs> and it's came true. Your mid lane was better than Bjergsen. It's yeah, just... so nice. oh, four, 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 four. <laughs> Sin. Sin. It's not the best time to be better than Bjergsen. Blizz always good this split, though. Tell yeah, us about Blizz Olive. Yeah, I mean, like, he's doing good. Like, also, he has a really, the Canadian, like, I don't know, the Canadian living in heaven or what? Like, they have really chillest five. They're always good to work sure, with, right? I don't know, like you know, you're you, always you, apologizing, you know. Yeah, like Canadian <laughs> people have like some, I don't know, like they have like, some weird aura. It's like it be some pink or yellow aura, something. It's like make you chill. It's like I don't know where okay. they got they they getting from. Okay. It's like, but it's like, and then when you talk to some other country people, you don't feel it, you know. It's like Indeed. my team yeah. have a uh, licorice and then. Uh, 
only from Canada. Canada. Mm-hmm. It's like, I don't know, they have a really chill feeling. Like one day... Between uh, and Australian, you must have the most chill team of all time. Yeah, I don't know. Okay, I, tell you, well, I'm sorry. I don't know I can tell this, but super, we, were, we were having a team dinner. And then I randomly bring up the topic. Will you ever hit your kid when you are a parent? Because in Korea, uh, like, I don't know nowadays, but when I was really, like 10 years old, it's like if I make a mistake or like if I say something oh. wrong or bad words, my Father goes and slam me with a sleeper or something. Okay, they go, yes. he goes throw a cushion on my face or something. And then I'll be like, okay, I'm not going to do this, you know? But We all got spanked when we were kids, guys, okay? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know now some people are doing but I, I, I bring up this topic and I talk. That time, in front of me, there was a liquorist. My right was the olive. And they were like, Ole, you shouldn't eat your kid. Like, even you cannot say like stuff like that, you know. And then I asked other people left side, they were like some Australian culture or whatever. Hey, you guys, will you ever hit your kid? They say, Yeah, some maybe, you know. They were like, Hold on, you know, some person argue with me. And then I would ask, Yeah, they were like, They would say, Hell no, general person, they will never hit kids. Sure. <laughs> And then I, I think this all tracks. <laughs> all tracks. Yeah. <laughs> if people don't know, this is even a thing that, like, yeah, it's definitely of that generation as well. Because I, I remember there's a famous video. You can go look it up. If anyone knows from StarCraft or CSGO, the famous, she's Korean-American, uh, interviewer and presenter, Smix. She uh-huh. There's a clip of her that's so funny, Monty, where she's streaming. She's just streaming at home. And I think yeah. she's, playing one, she's playing one of those games, like, you know, like Alien Invasion or whatever. The other ones where it's like a jump scare game. And because she screams when it goes, she goes like, oh! Her mom was in the kitchen and her mom runs out, doesn't know she's streaming and just like slaps yeah. her on the eye. Like, yeah. like, dude, she was like a 28 year old woman when she. <laughs> yeah, same thing. Yeah. And this isn't when she was 12. Like, this is like now. Like, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Those people, I don't know. It's not all, I'm not going to just say all Canadian, but like the Canadian pro player I ever work with. They were like really have a, some. Yeah, they're know, pretty chill in general. Oh, yeah, 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 really good yeah. vibe. Yeah. yeah but but and we safely got... navigate that topic without ending any of our careers. So great. <laughs> well done. Okay. Well, good job, everybody. <laughs> all, I, all I'm going to say is this while on the one hand, Ole is killing this episode, this is definitely not in any way what the Golden Guardians PR guy thought this episode was going to be like. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm going to say right now. <laughs> So, so, uh, but you know, the great thing about it, Blaze Olive, is he's not chill in game. You know, to bridge this over, yeah, yeah. he plays like mega aggro in lane. Uh, sometimes it works out super well for him. Sometimes he kind of runs it down. You know, he loves to he loves to have these kind of aggressive engages. He's certainly a very exciting player, and I think one that was underappreciated last year and is coming into his own as a mid laner now. I mean, it's like, uh. I when I work with Olive, I think he, I think the Canadian vibe sometimes really good. It's like especially out of the game, it's pretty good. But also, meanwhile, in game, it can be bad. Uh, I I'm not flaming, but okay. I don't know how to say, it, but it's like he's really nice. So sometimes too nice 
Yeah. I feel like it's not good. So one day I was asking him, uh, it's like, Olive, you're winning 1v1. Why don't you ask resource? Like, because he always tried to like help team, try to, he's a selfish player. He always want to help team. He want to do something for team. I think that's really good. But at some point, I want him to be selfish because I know he, he can do so much better. Like, especially when I play, like in Korea solo queue, like Chubi literally ping me. Like when he play, when he goes side, he just ping me like, "Hey, get this vision, get this vision," and I want a one v three, something like that. I nice. think Olive. He you want able able to, to do this? It. Yeah, he is able to do it. He's a really great player, but I think because he's too nice, he doesn't do it. So I that's why I, I want to talk to Olive. Like you know, I I don't know he's watching it, but I think one day he, if he is actually turns to be a bit selfish. I, I think on the stage, he's going to really popping off. I think that's what we are kind of missing from Olive. But I really, I really like how he like talk to people after, you know, sometimes we lost in scream, but he still have a really good, you know, voice. And then, you know, always like, look, you know, actually, I don't know. It's like whenever some people talk to each other, he literally look at other people. I think that's a good habit. But I can cry. Yeah, yeah, that's really good habit, but like it's really sometimes you know, Monty, you know, the in Korea, if you look at older people, it's kind of bad in Korea, you know. <laughs> yeah. I just do it, I just do it anyway to assert my dominance. Uh, yeah, yeah, but it's like <laughs> you feel uncomfortable yeah. a little bit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but like all of, all of okay. really like kind of like looking, look at the people and they really care about listening to them. Okay, but yeah, and then I look at him and oh my god, look at the alpha, obviously. Yeah, we understand basic yeah. animal psychology. Yeah. He's a really nice player. I think, like, if I'm if I'm had had a coach one day, or if I'm coach one day, I think he he will be on my list. Like, because really okay. easy to work with and then nice to work with. Yeah. So I think we should we should probably talk about how this team got formed first before we go into. I know you probably don't want to talk about uh, like the Hundred Thieves game, but we should probably uh, talk about. But like you know, Golden Guardians is a as an organization. Uh, you know, they tend to rely a lot on their scouting and kind of putting together synergistic rosters. We've seen them pull you know a bunch of players that became Hundred Thieves uh, that you know nobody else was really looking at, but they put together a roster that the core of which became a championship roster on a hundred thieves after they made some changes. So their mm -hmm. scouting has generally been pretty good. Now last year might've been a bit of a down year because they didn't have a lot of money and they definitely have more money this year. Like for people who don't know the COVID pandemic uh, hit the golden state warriors, the NBA team super hard because they, you know, couldn't have a full season, couldn't sell tickets. So that kind of filtered down to golden guardians where they had to kind of go for a budget roster uh, they ended up blowing most of that up and getting, you know, veteran players like yourself and Licorice. And then also now we're, you know, they had a blaze of all of last year. So he carries over. And then now they have Pride Stalker, who's a new player. That's a very, I think, a very interesting uh, jungler, um, yeah. kind of unusual picks. Like we've seen, you know, the Zed pick so far this season, but likes to play more aggressive damage oriented junglers overall. Yeah. Uh, and then Lost coming over from TSM. So they put together a roster that's been competitive this season. What was your process of joining the team like this year? Or rejoining, I should say. Uh, I think, so me and Nick, you know, actually, you know, as a Korean, I, this is not serious, but this is kind of whatever talk. Uh, so before 2019, I used to not like Nick at very first time, right? being honest. 
So because I in Nero, yeah, yeah, very first time, very first month, I didn't like it because I thought uh, in kind of wrong way. But like end of the 2019, I realized actually he actually did nice things to me before. I I I think I got misunderstanding of him. So end of the 2019, I realized, oh my god, Nick, I'm sorry, I I, I really misunderstood to you. Oh my god, now I'm really sorry. So we just like hug each other and then we became good friends. And I left the team and then we were just like sometimes message each other casually. You know, it's not like. And then we met at the party at one point. We just, oh my God, Ning, nice to meet you. Long time no see. So we were just fine. And uh, last year, he messaged me around the, when they are looking for a player. He just asked me, Ola, are you playing seriously or not? And then uh, I'm trying to uh, back, but I'm not sure I'm good enough to come back. And then I told him, like, if I don't get rank 10, um, I'm not going to do it. And then he in Korea. Me, in Korea. Yeah, he just messaged me on Twitter, and yeah, and then that time I was rank eighty or something, and then I asked him, "Hey, I'm I'm just kind of stuck here. What should I do better?" And then he he messaged me, "Oh, maybe you just try to uh, group with your jungler more often uh, because you always try to do it by yourself." So after I got his feedback, I started to more work with my jungler in Korea solo queue, and then I started winning every game. And I really got rank three at some point. I'm like, oh my god, yeah, oh Nick, thank you. And then I feel like I can, I can be pro player again. Like I'm shooting on every support here, you know. I stopped, <laughs> I stopped. Like Carrier was 13 continuous winning. I I was the one who stopped his winning streak. And then I was like, oh my god, maybe I'm good enough. Maybe. He's <laughs> like, okay, then I'll go yeah. try again. So yeah, Nick. Uh, after I talked with Nick, uh, the GJS uh gave me the offer. So I thankfully uh, took it, but that time the jungle was the missing. I we were he just showed me the list, uh, the jungle, and I was like, yeah, just I follow the team. Like I'm not gonna have that much opinion. Uh, I just like follow my coach saying I'm gonna do my job. And then yeah, when I got here, I see the roster, and then yeah, well, I think it was pretty good on paper uh, for me because. So everyone, at least in uh, everyone picked a really good point at some point. So I thought it was good. But as I say, whenever I move to other country, my team always be the challenger team. It's not, you know, GGS like had the FBI who he closer and they moved to 100 safe. They got number one before, you know. But it's kind of the same thing as me. It's like when I moved to Pain Gaming, last place. When I moved to Hong Kong, it was, was last place. When I moved to GGS, it was kind of last place, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, so my mindset at, uh, right now is like our team. It's not like super team. Like when when you when you look at Team Liquid, you know, it's like they got people, they got like Bjorkson, they got Hansama, who just like literally was in World Championship. They put together. Of course, if we if GGS like beat them twenty four seven. Team Liquid doing something wrong, you know? So I, I, I of course, want to win like versus like, every team, but my mindset is like, we can't just be randomly be the number one team compared to really super team, as I say. But there were moments we, we could beat them. Like we yesterday, we should won, uh, uh, like two days ago, we should won the 11 or 12K gold lead against 100 Thieves. But we just lost, 
uh, I think our team aware of the problems, but it's not. I think individually we can say you know liquor is you know really good, olive really good, and price stoker just like you know sometimes winning like hundred shares versus enemy jungle, and the me and Lawrence when we are actually in good position we are actually carry the game, but I think the point is we are not a team. Yeah, I mean your laning phase really hasn't been the core problem, right? Like, well, sometimes a blaze all of like, sometimes he just like wins lane hard and sometimes he loses lane hard. So, yeah. uh, I think, you know, he's, he is, a, he's a bit wild in his aggression in the, in the laning phase sometimes, which can work out for you or can get you put in the dumpster at times. You know, I, I think in the, if we're going to talk about the hundred thieves game, there was a lot of focus, like obviously like the jokes around, I, I said this before you came on, but the, the people pointing out like nobody went top at 10 minutes. Yeah, there was basically, <laughs> yeah, for 10 minutes, there was basically yeah. a continuous fight. Uh, yeah. 12 minutes. It was, it was, there was basically a continuous fight on the map during that entire 12 minute period, by the way, like I was reviewing, I was watching that part of the game again this oh, morning. Top of mid lane, right? Yeah, it, it was like there's like in mid lane around Baron around Dragon, like there were these constant fights going on and one person on each team would die and then respawn and then like rejoin the fight. Right. So it, it was clear that you guys thought you could win that. And people, you know, if I if I look at some of the core, like the key parts of that game around the dragon soul fight as well. It looked like you guys had a split call because what happened is pride stalkers on nocturne in the dragon pit and he smites the Lee sin. Like he uses red smite and then lost starts auto attacking the dragon at the same yeah. time. And I was yeah. like, Oh no. Cause it's like, it seemed like, Pride Stalker wanted to make sure that there couldn't be a smite steal by forcing the Lee Sin out and trying to get the kill. And Lost is like autoing the dragon. So, you know, if I think if Lost had been autoing the enemy team instead, that you guys probably would have just won that dragon fight and Lee had flashed out of the pit or whatever, or W'd out of the pit, and yeah. then you could have turned it around. So for me, when I when I watch your team, it looks like there are these like communication problems around what target to go on and mm -hmm. when to engage uh, yeah. that are causing most of the issues that you have. Is that fair? Uh, that's exactly yes. It's like, I think, uh, I don't know, I can leak this, but <laughs> okay, so it's really good to have opinion in every situation really good but the worst decision in league of legend is like doing the separate shit i think yeah. that's the worst but like at some point it's like we have a three different opinions sometimes like sometimes four yeah. different opinions so it's like one day uh in, in scream we were winning like this and then we somehow lost the game in scream too and then that time i I kind of hands up, I, I hands up and I say, like, we just need to do one thing together. I think it was not me or it was also other people. Like, literally one person hands up and we have to do one thing, no matter what, just do one thing together. But it didn't. But also what matters is, like, as you say, the dragon fight, when the every single second matters, what you do as a team, but it's like, that time just, just the problem just reveals. It's like yeah. we are just on different page. So well, I think what's crazy about that too, Olay, is like it was stolen by a Lee Sin Q. So even though the problem like was you guys splitting the call, yeah, you still should have gotten that dragon. And if you get the soul, I think you you definitely we, win that yeah, game. We, we so won. yeah, it was it was really like a it, it was played wrong. 
But even though it was played wrong, the outcome the should have still been in your favor. But he fucking hits a leak Sinkyu with like 30 HP on the dragon. Yeah. So, you know, it was it was partially a, a bad call and partially unlucky. But, mm -hmm. you know, you got punished really hard for it. Yeah, I think that's the our biggest problem. It's like, I don't know. It's like we like our macro sense. It's like actually really good. Like it's like whatever whatever stuff happened in Scream, and then I listen to other like every player's opinion. The opinion is all good. You know, some people say, "Oh, we have to push time and redo something." Some people say we should push ball. Some something. Some. Everything's right. Maybe something is worse. Something is better. But it's like every core was right. But we just don't do it together. So. It's really, I think, uh, kind of our coach have a, a kind of hard time just like make us as a team. It's like some, you know, some weird shit happen, and then it's like sometimes we have an argument in game too. It's like instead of just like doing one thing together, I don't know. That's why it's like I like sometimes I blame myself for it because if I just like hand, hands up, shut the fuck up, do this, maybe it's gonna work. I think, but yeah. So I can play. I appreciate that. I appreciate that the go-to solution is just autocracy. Like I will now control all of this. Like shut the fuck up, everyone. Do what I say. Like I love it. I love that. By the way, I'll give you. I'll give you a trick about Canadian people. Okay. Okay. So if you are in a game and you literally just tell Canadian people to shut the fuck up and listen to me. They uh, will just apologize. They'll be like, "Oh, sorry," and then they'll just do it. <laughs> That's actually what will happen. They'll uh, really? they will they won't even do anything. They'll say sorry uh, to you. They'll be like, "I'm uh, sorry." And you're like, "What are you apologizing for? Just fucking do it." That's oh, actually it, you can just mind control Canadian people. It's even more insane than all a knows, dude. I've just realized the other like think about his team, Monty. Right, he has <laughs> two Canadians, an Australian, and then the other guys from the fucking Netherlands. I don't want the chillest countries of all time. This is just like Team Hammock or something, mate. Like I'll take a, I'll take a line from fucking a rap battle from years ago. If this team was any more laid back, they'd be horizontal. <laughs> there you go. So I think what Should we need I, is. Uh, I think it was Nils. Um, skills or whatever the fuck I can't remember. Maybe Ron. We'll see. I think, I think we need. I think we need a new Ole dictatorship within this team. That's exactly. that, <laughs> you need to seize power, yes. Ole. Uh, I mean, it's like I, I. I mean, for me, it's like in general, the like I, I didn't get just like rank three in Korea for free. You know, I really work hard and. Even champion queue, you know? Right, like, all the stone. That's how you yeah. start the line. You go, look at Blazed Olive. I didn't get rank three in Korean Soul Queue. Where the fuck did you ever get exact? Shut the fuck up. Rank three in... <laughs> now listen to what I'm saying. And then you and then you give him. Yeah, then he'll just listen. I, I, he yeah. has to listen then. Yeah, I think, like, my, like I can tell, like, if there's a my problem, I, I think, like, I know the, like, what to do. I think... The player who get like high rank in solo queue or like even champion queue, it's like you just know what to do in every moment. It's like sometimes you should yes. just back off, sometimes you just trade, sometimes you do. I think like the you, you just like have better rate to do right thing in solo queue, so you win the game. So for me, it's like whatever happened in game, like I see, I kind of see how to win at the moment. But it's like my problem is like I don't actually like exaggerate. Like hey guys. Like do this, or hey guys, we have to do this right now. Like I'm you not just in your mind what to do. Yeah, like I just like put it in mind. Like I don't yeah, actually yeah. explain it. I don't say it out loud. I think that I can call it out. That was my problem. 
Okay. It's, it's like I I think that that's what I have to work on because so when I look at the Team Liquid interview, what people say like, oh, Cool JJ is a cheat code. He just say like whatever, yes. blah blah blah, and then it's working. But uh, like I I see what to do, but I don't say it at the moment, and I think that's my problem. So I like you said earlier, you're more you you see yourself as more of a follower. Yeah, the only thing so, uh, I will say, like, I hope you don't use those examples. Like, hey, Blaze, I just wanted to let you know when when I'm playing with Chovy, normally he'll like ping me, like, I'm not Chovy, am I? But all right, I'll, I mean, I'll give it a go. Yeah. But fucking hell, Chovy's yeah, pretty yeah, good. Yeah, instead of saying that, I should say, like, hey, Olu, just fucking tell me what to do. Like, well, get walked <laughs> here. Then you're going to exactly. carry the game, right? I'm going to yes. help you to carry the game. Exactly. What the fuck? Then... Exactly. <laughs> Uh, I mean, I don't have that chat power in real life, I feel like. No. So. By the way, no joke. I'll even give you a, a side point because it's a former teammate of yours. Like, when Doublelift was in Team Liquid, right? And, oh, sorry, not Team Liquid, TSM, a lot of fans used to actually say, no joke, like, he is one of the main shot callers. He is a very intelligent player. And I always used to think, no, you've missed the whole point. Doublelift isn't some, like, macro genius. But what he does understand, by the way, is if he's carrying the game then he at least knows how to ask for what he needs in the game. Like, he that's knows it. how to tell you, like, right, we're going to rotate to the mid now and take that wave and then wait for the bite of the back. Like, he had, that's, but that can be useful in LCS if people aren't doing a good job shot calling. Uh -huh. At least he, like, knows what to ask for, right? Yeah, I mean, it's like, I think, okay, let me think about the double lift. So, double lift, it's like, actually, he's like, sometimes when he pees, it's like the the whole air in the room is like, freeze. He's like, he's just yeah. literally doing the word to just, like, freezing everything. <laughs> and then... <laughs> And then it's like in game, it's like when, when he when he make a call, like I think everyone is kind of understand. If he piss off, we gonna lose this game. I I, I don't know. Like there there was one point uh, for me. It's like I should not piss him off to win the game. So I was I was very focused. I was really focused. But sometimes I fail even time pitch double something. But yeah 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 I fail but. I literally think you wouldn't, you wouldn't be the first double if teammate to say if he's pissed off, you might lose the game and it might ruin the team. So, what he knows if you when he actually to make a course, it's like kind of make everyone to everyone do one thing. Yes. That's, that's his strength as a teammate. So, yes. he said, Hey guys, I'm gonna push this wave, we're gonna, we're gonna do something with the, this wave. Let's do it. And then literally five people were like, oh, oh okay, we're going to follow double lift. And then we just like do one thing together. I think that's how he won LCS like every time. And then, but when it comes to World Championship, like, you know, compete to SK team, it's like, it, they're just like better, I guess. It's like better team core. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. That was Dolph's yeah. problem in a nutshell. He's, his joke is like, right, guys, we should lose to these guys. Like, what the fuck? Like, that's not how it works, Dolph. Like, what? <laughs> uh, yeah. But, yeah, I mean, so I, I think it's like the ashes, it's like you you rather have a really great individual player or and you just do one court together. Yes. It's like because LCS, you know, people are making joke about just like sometimes fair flash, sometimes just you know miss the skill shot. You know, there yes. there will be some random happen. You know, sometimes Kaisa don't use spare and just die something like that. So it's like if the team, right, five people do one thing together, even though that's kind of mess up macro. So enemy can randomly die or randomly flash in, they just die. So yeah. I think it's like that's. But that should not be a goal to do just a like random thing and they just win for just random shit. Exactly. But, 
But at least message to Americans out there is trust the plan. Yeah, don't but, repeat that all of that's a joke. That's off limits. That's a, my, my joke only. Don't worry about it. Keep going. Yeah, but it's like in SK, the, there was a moment T1 actually kind of threw the game in Herald, but that time the caster's thing is like carry a flash in, and then everyone just follow no matter what, even though they all die. But that's the good symptom for good team, because they are they are they are ready to do one thing together, even though that's they. I think. He caster what he actually said was like when carrier engaged, I he he's sure he was sure other four players knew that was the fucked up. But they just go in together anyway, because that's the team call. So yeah. I think that's a yeah, that's the actually good team doing it. Some some miracle can happen, you know? Yeah, yeah. So, no, dude, to me that you know the European player Hillasang for Fnatic. Yeah, yeah. To me, was always his strength as a player like listen when he pulls the play off and engages in some amazing angle everyone's gonna say like oh like as if he's like fucking fake or something genius it's so calculated it's like no he was gonna go for that play if he was on the worst team in the lec you idiots and and the person following up was fucking cordy son like that that's just hillisang and his premise is if you just follow up though he's going for plays so some of them are gonna work and he might win the game off it yeah i mean especially it's like the, when I play Nautilus, Leona, sometimes well, I'm going to play like Rakan or like Alistar. It's like, classic I'm, engage, I'm, yeah. I'm going to just throw my body. I'm, 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 when I engage, that means I'm going to die anyway. So yes. it's like I'm going to just create one or two seconds for our dealers. And then if my carries win the game, then I win the game. If, if don't, I lose. So it's like, uh, you know, sometimes, you know, I watch my game. I look like a dumb. It's like, because, you know, like even the caster is saying like, oh, it's the most aggressive support. And huh? But like, okay, you can call me aggressive, but I see the angle. So I go in and then if we don't kill it, I'm troller. So, but it's like, I'd rather to be troller. Like for me, in my eyes, that was the right play. Like, and then I watch again, maybe some, you know, 50-50, maybe someone's really bad, someone's really good angle, but like, in solo queue, it's like when I see the anger, I go in, you know, because we don't communicate. That's kind yeah, of, of funny part. The, the funny part in solo queue is like, because we don't communicate when I engage, my AD just, or my jungler or whatever, whoever just like try yeah, yeah. to follow up, you know? But it's like, the my bad part is like, you know, sometimes you can't communicate in short engage moment. Yeah, of course. I'm going <laughs> right. Yes. The, the, Best communication should be like, hey guys, I'm looking for angle, then I'm going to engage, then they're going to follow up. That's the best way. Yeah. But it's like, sometimes I see the anger, I just don't, I didn't say it, but I just engage. But yes. if my team uh, didn't engage because I didn't say it, then yeah, I just, I'm troller. So yeah, yeah. That, Dude, that's... it's like the, the most classic champions ever for should you go in, shouldn't you? We're obviously Thresh and fucking Lee Sin, right? Because it's both Q. You just land yeah. the Q and then everyone yeah. knows too many times people just press Q immediately, right? Well, the problem yeah. is people are wrong because they always say you should think before. What are you talking about? Right? Design time to think. It's while you're flying in on the queue. You have to figure out what the fuck you're going to do now when you get out of the situation because you got yourself on some deep shit probably. So that's, I appreciate you have, you have that little bit of time while you're traveling to the target and then you have to do the best play ever to get out of the stupid queue that you definitely shouldn't have got in on. Because everyone yeah. knows it's just because you land it. The second you land it, it's like uh-huh. <laughs> the premise goes somehow the second the queue is landed from threshold leasing, every part of the universe just it compels you to press Q again it's like to not press Q would almost be a disservice to the design of that kit so 
keep pressing Q, guys. But think <laughs> while you're on the way in. That's all I'm saying. Think. Like, yeah, yeah. So I mean, like, I'm like definitely. I need to work on my communication. I think it's like my. Sometimes it's like I play like a solo queue still. It's like it's just a whole year break. It's like I'm not like I I was just re- like really focusing on the angle because in solo queue you don't need to communicate. But it's like actually I kind of admire streamers and pro pro players because they're talking while playing game. You know that's not easy actually. It's like you should keep talking about your plan and then what you're gonna do, what what's going on. And then you just focusing on game like you are doing at these two same time. It's not actually easy. It's like so. I'm like you know when I stream, sometimes I cannot talk. You know I can't be fun guy on stream because I'm focusing on game. But it's like when I look at some other streamer, it's like they're just like you know even the title, the he just like screaming and they just stay oh, playing man. like good. I'm like wow, this guy's genius. It's like <laughs> actually it's genius. It's like like I I, I was. I went to what I said, when Yasuo came to Korea. I went to uh, his uh, like hotel, and then I saw he's streaming, but he's just literally like screaming and talking about funny shit, and they're just playing Yasuo like two, like one v two or something. I'm like, this guy's genius. So uh, I think I need to, I really need to work on just talking while focusing on game. I think that that's kind of a bit harder for me now. And I think that's also the reason why we lost like some games because I didn't actually say the moment, the important stuff. By the way, if you are really cynical, Monty, you can actually title this VOD, Why is Tyler One a Genius? And you will instantly get 100,000 views by the YouTube algorithm. Look, so it's up to you if you want to do it or not. It's your choice, mate. So. It's, it's really hard to be that entertaining while playing a game. No, I agree. This is, why, this is why it's hard for pro players to go into streaming because, as we know uh, from commentary as well, Entertainment comes first, and then skill is secondary. Yeah, right. <laughs> that's just that's just how it works. Yeah, I mean, it's like I try to say something on stream, but like I don't know how to make them laugh. You know, how to make them. I mean, you're doing a good job this episode. I'll tell you that you're very, yeah. very entertaining. So. I mean, this one is fine because we are focusing on you know conversation. <laughs> but like, just for me, just like one like in solo queue game, and then. Ask me to do like having fun talk. Uh, I can't, you know. Yes. So I think we should. I think we should talk about um, some of the the picks that you guys had. So I want to talk about your. I want to use your your hundred thieves game because I think you know that yeah. you know when you're playing Nar and Rise and you're playing the Kaisa that you don't want to group and play five person front to back team fights versus a jinx, right? Yep. <laughs> but, oh, but, but, but here's the thing. But when you're reading 10K world, I didn't yep. know we are reading 10K world, but when you're reading super hard, yes. the composition doesn't matter for me. It's well, like, we learned it does. <laughs> yeah, but like literally, it's like we have a really strong item. And if we just like go carry enemy carries, the game was won. Like, but yeah. I still understand. We have a strong side laner. We should not group every time. So that that was what I was saying before. Like, yeah. Like Olive, uh, should be really strong voice. Like, hey guys, I'm gonna fucking carry one v one. Just like don't group. Just like you know. Yes. He, like that's what I want from him in the future. Yeah, yeah. Then you know, 
we don't need to group. We just like trust each other. They're gonna kill side one v one or like Chobi. He gonna one v three. Like you know the dragon fight against TL. You know it's like enemies should go to stop Olive instead of we try to do something to them. I feel like we were just like grouping and then make them just like comfort zone. We should yeah. make them uncomfortable. Rise push side twenty four seven. Now just like beat Sion yep. face away. Yep. So yeah. Yeah, mistakes mistakes were made. But to be fair, Ole, I also didn't know that you couldn't win those team fights with a 10k gold advantage, right? I, I would have thought the same thing, which is why I think some of the conversations were rather unreasonable that were being held by fans, because it, you know, you would think that with that kind of advantage, you could win a front to back team fight, but you yeah. can't, apparently. <laughs> which, I mean, we, we could. I watched you again, but okay. we could. We could. <laughs> it was a yeah. lot harder. <laughs> yeah, but we didn't have to. But we could yeah, exactly. Yeah, 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 exactly. yeah. Objectively, you should not have been doing that. But I, I also think you guys were trying to end the game. And I think that what the, the take the, my takeaway from this was that it's a very interesting. We were talking about Kaisa and these pick comps that like T1 is using a lot recently over yeah. the last few weeks. And you know, your composition was much more, I would say, similar to that, especially with Kaisa. So I wanted to get because you play in the bot lane. I wanted to get your take on Kaisa right now because Kaisa has been incredibly strong in pick compositions. Um, we see most teams play it in the bottom lane. It's oftentimes a counter pick to, to Zeri lanes because you mm -hmm. can actually kill her in the late game while she's running around. Yeah. Uh, what are your thoughts on the, the Kaisa pick and where she is in the meta? Well, I mean, I think when we were playing Kaisa, I think we, the, we could end the game. But also the build was not, it was not fully AP or fully AD. So it was kind of hybrid Kai'Sa. So we don't have that much like, if it was like fully AD, we could just all jump in together. If it was full AP, we could just poking out. Yeah, so, and to be to be clear, this is because Lost went Kraken Slayer instead of Ludens. Yeah, so yeah. it was. So I think that build also kind of. The, we couldn't choose the direction to play, kinda. So, but it's like yesterday when we playing in CRG, the Luger went to full AP Kaisa, and then whenever he threw the W, our team losing like half HP every time, and we couldn't just like touch them at all. So, I I, I don't know. I feel like the Kaisa now is really cheat champion. It's like, I, especially the W Kaisa. I don't know, like. Because the Kaiser can actually jump into the team fight, or he can that. just poke forever. So I don't know. I think if Kaiser player is actually doing okay, there is no way to counter this champion because you can either go poke poke team or you go in fighter. But like Kaiser in team fight is actually good. But if you wanna also engage, Kaiser gonna run away and just W W W forever, yes. and then like. Like as a mage support, if you get two Kaisa W, you, you die. Like you literally just die. So, and then the CD down is so crazy. I don't know. This champion should get nerfed. I really think this champion is so. So, broken. so why? If you think if you think Kaisa is this good, then why were teams so focused on other champions in the bot lane previously? Uh, I think it's it's the now people try to figure out what's the good because Jerry used to be banned forever. Yeah. So in our head, it's like, oh, Jerry is the best pick ever. But 
also Jelly has really good win rate. But I think CAG the when the was it Saturday they play against FlyQuest they they pick Kaisa into Jelly they got su- really good success. And then I think they all they are the team they like, figure out earlier the other team. Maybe Kaisa is so much better than Jerry. I, I don't know. It's their thinking, but yeah, uh, and they, they got success two times in a row. Like they open Jerry and they just pick Kaisa into it. They won two times. So yeah, I think LCS is like who figure out the shit first. I think. <laughs> you know, it it's been interesting watching um some of the LCK games because as we discussed earlier, T1 is basically like playing roaming mid pick comps now. Yeah. And what's funny to me is that if you actually look at the 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 pick and ban in LCK, basically this started kind of with KT, the KT T1 game where uh, KT almost beat T1. Like those were actually very close games. Yeah. And I think what happened because it was Vikla who came in and was playing Ari and they were playing Kaisa in the bot lane, right? And I think what happened was that KT like kind of revealed in certain ways like how good some of these RE comps could be uh, yeah, and these champions yeah. could be because I think what because remember KT has had a really bad second round robin like they've been really dog bad, shit, yeah. and it was a surprisingly close game so I think what happened is first off it was Vikla like playing better than Ari on mid lane right but I think part of it was T1 being like these guys suck and they almost beat us with the, this like style of composition because then they've just been playing it basically nonstop ever since that series. So yeah. it's been really funny to me. Like they kind of like, like why the fuck did we almost lose to KT? And then they're like, Oh, we'll just do it ourselves and just stomp everybody. Yeah. They just like realized, Oh, it was like, we like T1 think we have an insane player gap, but the game goes like this, maybe champion get what the fuck? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> right, the, right. Then I watched the, I watched it, our game. You know, it's like usually people pick Rexa into Lishin to counter, and yeah. then CAG against us, we had the Lishin, but they had yeah. the Rexai, and then they yeah. had the Ari, and then Kaisa Notus, which is like the KT had the best comp against T1. Yeah. And then actually in game, we felt like we have nothing to do with it. Like, literally, Kaisa poke forever. Yeah. As a Renata, I cannot engage on Kaisa forever. Do you, do, you, do you like do you like how like Rexai will just hit you with Q and then Kaisa will hit you with W and then Rexai just ults and you die? Yeah. Like <laughs> I'm just Yeah, it's like I have a W on Renata's there, but it's useless. I just die and they die again. I die two times. Like more miserable. <laughs> so yeah, it's it 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 has been funny to watch like T1 just basically transform after that KT series because they were they were playing a different they won the series but it wasn't it was much closer than people anticipated and then they basically just swapped to you know playing Kaisa all the time you uh-huh. know Faker on Ari Galio like these yeah. these or even Kaisa himself these champions yeah, yeah but did you see why Kaisa pick uh, why Faker pick Kaisa against LeBlanc. Oh, what was the reason? <laughs> did you see the reason? What was the reason? What did he, he say? Said he played against the T1, uh, KT, and then the was aiming failed the RW combo. Mm-hmm. And the Faker thought he, he could do better, so he started to play Kaisa mid. That was the reason. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's what he said. <laughs> Same logic, Monty. He was like, well, if that guy can do it, fuck it. Pass it here. Oh. Uh, and then he, by, yeah, by, the way, yeah. by the way, Kaisa was Faker's 71st champion that he's played at the professional level, which, by the way, is almost half the champions in League of Legends, which is just 
fucking insane. Yeah. Pretty good. I think Kaisa will get banned next week, I guess, or first pick couple. You think the, the, the meta is going to shift that much? It's just uh, weird that we're seeing this big shift with a champion that was like always available and uh, everyone yeah. was so focused on like Jinx, Zeri, Caitlyn. By the way, Monty, I, did, I don't think I've discussed it on the show. I think I talked about it on the show with Dom. Did you see that hilarious fucking quote in that interview with Deft where he, you know, in his entire career, he's some absurd win rate, like 92% on Jinx. And this was yep. the fucking headline for the yep. interview. He goes like, since I am only 92%, it is not that good. Like, what are you? It can't be 100%, Deft. Like, we're talking about your whole career, bro. You won 92% of the games. And also, he did only play in the two best regions ever his whole career. That's pretty insane. Like, that's just Korean mentality. People don't get it. Like, people don't know the joke. The joke is in Korea, you come home and you say, what the, the, the mom says, what score did you get? And you say, I got an A minus. And then they go, why not A plus? Like that is, and the then you get hit question. with a slipper. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like we have a question. Like we don't care about the other people than the rank one. Like we don't yeah, care. Exactly. It's like, oh hey Ole, what is your rank? Oh, I'm rank three. Get the fuck out of here. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> so yeah, I only care about the rank one. It's like the you know the Yona Kim in Korea, the figure skater. Yeah, she yeah. she got famous because she got number one. Like that, that's all. Like, if she was, like, just around rank 3-ish, like, people not going to care. But, like, she got number one compared to other, like, Japanese ones. And they were like, oh, rank one, yeah. So we care about the rank one only. That, yeah. I think that's the culture for Korean. I think it's, it's probably a, a fair fair assessment. Fair assessment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, so in terms of playing bot lane right now, a lot of people are talking about how bot lane is so strong. Obviously, we see a lot of these games that go very late and the AD carry becomes incredibly powerful. It must be fun for you as a support player because there are a lot of engaged supports right now that are that are in the meta. Yeah. Uh, where do you how how much effect do you think bot lane has on the overall game at this point in time compared to other metas? I think the reason is the, the AD missing item, I, I really think. Because it's like the Jinx Apelius, the 50-50 matchup, right? It's like whoever get first turret, get game force first. Yep. And then when you, like sometimes your support go to mid, right? So AD stay but 1v1. If one person has a game force, if you ever try to hit minion, you die. And the game is unplayable for the another AD, right? So it's like the reason why the bot turret matters is like AD get first missing item and they just snowball forever. Like let's say you crush bot turret, you have a 1k gold lead. So you got 1k on AD carry. AD, Jinx or Apelius, whatever AD carry, got the first core item. He goes top again. Do the same thing. If, if AD doesn't match, you lose turret for free again. So you don't have missing item, you go top again against game force. If you ever try to eat minion, you die. So you have to cry for your teammate. Hey guys, if you guys not here, I cannot get yes, please, please. So it's forcing everyone to come to top in losing situation. So the game force one saying like, hey guys, I can do 1v3, I have a game force, ha ha ha. You guys do whatever you want. So why enemy, you know, people are top side, game force AD carry just do whatever you want. And then it's over again. You crush top turret again, getting hurt. So before 50 minutes, game is just over because the one missing item. So I think good team knows 
like I think SKT will rival. Like every team understand how important the first portal matters. So that's why it's like they the they meet jungle pick matters because even though you have a shitty portal matchup, if you're mid jungle winning, they're gonna dive you no matter what. Like four v two bot, how you gonna answer it? And then once you get those crush portal, same thing. The logic is simple. Just like get give money to AD, make a snowball. If you're a good team, you you know how to end. That's it. You make it sound so easy. You yeah, ironically uh, just roasted yeah, the entire so LCS drive. Our, even know it. our Golden Guardians problem is that we know this sequence. Okay. But we don't know how to finish the game. So, <laughs> so that's the problem for all. Gosh. <laughs> yeah, so that's why we are reading, like, at some point, like, thinking about every time, but we just have no idea how to finish it. That's it. <laughs> I mean, you, you're yeah. you're ostensibly you're going to be a playoff team this year. You've had okay. some good weeks. You've had some yeah. good weeks overall, right? Yeah. I mean, I, I, I was reading the Reddit comments. One was the like Gordon. That was your first mistake. Okay, Continue. yeah, but, but that was I was reading it. So uh, Gordon ideas can beat any team, but also can lose to any team. <laughs> so, <laughs> They were like, oh, yeah. I mean, it's like, when I look at the team rocket, it's like, they are really consistently, you know, stable. I think that's what, how you call a strong team, I think. But I think our team is missing their part. Also, I want to blame myself for it because sometimes I just look for just engage instead of just like controlling and then winning in a safe way. So, yeah, I think that's the what our team should work on to be like consistent. I want to congratulate assuming, you. By the way, just a quick question. Assuming Golden Guardians are not the winner, I'll just be polite and say that all there. Don't worry, yeah. I won't fucking say anyone else. They're definitely winning, but okay. Let's <laughs> pretend they can't win. Who would you pick? Would Cloud? Would it be Cloud9 or Team Liquid? Who wins LCS in your opinion? I think when I, when I play against like both teams, I see C9 was harder. Like, t I, I don't know. Against C9, I feel more pressure play against them. It's like they really, I don't know. Like it's not like individually they're strong. I mean, like I, I'm not. I don't know about the summit, but summit actually crushing the top. So I feel like against okay, C9, if you are not winning top, it's like you lose. Like it's like kind of poison. You lose slowly. You are dying slowly. It's like small, like smooth, and it's just like oh, I lost. Yeah. <laughs> Something like that. I. I think uh, when you say Team Liquid is stable, you are the first person ever to describe a team with Bwipo on it as stable. I mean, it's like, I think it's, it's more likely their support jungler stab stabilized the game. Right. Sure. I mean, people <laughs> play really aggressive and they do try to do something, but it's like, you know, yesterday the C9 game, the C9 was winning 4K gold, but Tier was slowly coming back. So at some point, the 4K gold was just zero. Because yeah. their support jungle controlling map slowly, and they they know they were. I think they had a better macro sense, but somehow people just jump into pink ward and they just randomly slow the game. But I think they had a really <laughs> good sense of the macro and they're slowing the game, especially on stage. By the way, low key, even though I'm pretty sure he didn't do this intentionally thematically, Monty, you know, Summit has low key backdoored one of the most OP names ever as a gamer because <laughs> he's already a top laner. And then hey, I'm Summit, so I'm the top of the top, aren't I? I am the apex. That's actually low key genius marketing if you know what he's doing with that. That's I can't fire. Believe, by the way, I can't believe that 
he came to NA. We've we never really discussed that, but mm. he is still way better than most Korean tops. On He's all top qualified as fuck. Like, yeah, exactly. Why is he not on Gen G? You know what I mean? Like, why, why the fuck is he just randomly on Cloud9? Why not Damon? He could be on Damon, dude, for sure. If you look at he the could, guy there. Off. Sure. He could, he, could, he could literally be an upgrade on any of the top three teams, top three top laners. And I know people like like Zayas, but he's, he's fucking better than Zayas. He could easily like, be on that team, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Interesting. Hmm. I mean, let's see Summit two years later. <laughs> I mean, that's yeah, the... Yeah, that's got to him. And it's quite talks into him exactly. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, like, it's like for like you know from SK or especially if you're the from Korea, it's like every day you have so much pressure. You know, it's like oh, I I thought I was better than this guy. Next day, this guy just stomped me in solo queue. You know, and then you have to actually deal with it. But like in NA, like now somebody say, haha, people free win. Haha, <laughs> Nicholas free win. Haha, any top free win. Haha, you know. And two years later, I want to see is somebody gonna still oh. be that top because it's it's also about the environment. It's like I I think C9 gonna have a try to keep good environment for you know focusing and then make them really you know passionate for it. Or two years later, it's like he turns to be like whatever any top. Becomes someday. I mean, someday. <laughs> Something comfortable. From summit to someday. There's <laughs> like a dagger into your heart, boys. Look, fair, at least after all those years of carrying, he just got carried to a title. Fair enough. That's called that's called alchemical transmission. You know, yeah, exactly. Equal exchange yeah. or whatever, isn't it? No, the only thing is, though, what I'm looking for with Summit is this. Unironically, I want to see how he also does in terms of being coached in any over the years. Because I saw a very interesting thing where someone said, like a quote from when Yamato Cannon, the now coach of Fnatic, you know, when he was coaching Sandbox last a couple of years ago, and obviously Summit was his top laner, right? And supposedly he said, if you tell Summit, like, you know, try this like new champion pick or whatever, or that, this is the response he would say, and this is a nightmare if you're a coach. He would go, well, Khan and the Shy don't play it, so why, why don't they play it? Which is like, oh, God, we're not getting into this, are we? Like, it's a good pick, because the problem with that mentality is you're never first there. You're always just copying what the other guy does. So, yeah, true. If you're the absolute best, look, you're going to stop it, and also you're an LCS. But, like, I want to see down the line, because to me, that's that's a bit of, like, a, a bit of a stubborn mentality, I think. I mean, it's like, I had the same issue before, it's a bit, especially the, there's a one story about the Yumi, so Yumi okay. just came out. I I was really confident to shit on Yumi uh, playing Thresh at that time. But you know Yumi didn't have a the what is it? If you stop, you if you got CC now, it's like you cannot back away. You know. Yes. But you that time them, you could just back away. Like yes. there was no any CD. So that time I was really stubborn, especially that time Nick Smith telling me that, hey, Yumi is so broken, like, you should play. I'm like, no, I can shit on him. Like, I'll just give me stress, you know? And I just tried like 10 games in a row. I lost to every matchup. It's like, and then I realized, oh my God, this champion is so broken. Okay, I'm going to play tomorrow. And I play Yumi, feel like it's most broken at the moment. And I was like, I, and after I realized, hey, just first pick me, Yumi, I'm going to carry. So I think... I mean, I, I think that carry, you're not playing Yumi. Maybe, I don't know about carry, but... <laughs> I mean, it was carry. Like, I, I go, I just like, 
Emperor just died. So, oh, for, you actually built like a fucking airplane on four. Yeah, yeah, okay, fair enough. Yeah, yeah, so. Uh, uh, <laughs> but I oh, think that's also kind of. I don't know if that's Storman or kind of boomer mindset as a pro player. I, I can call it, it was boomer mindset. Because when something new happened, I should be really open minded. You know, it's like, okay, let's try a new thing. I used yeah, to be yeah. the one. It's like in Korea, it's like when no one was using Karma and Nami. I was the only challenger player in Korea playing Nami and Karma. And then I got three challenger at some point, and I was the only player Nami, and I was shooting on everyone, even pro player. And then at the time, the Samsung Blue, uh, Samsung White and Blue, so Mata and Heart, they both yeah, reached. The Nami off you. Yeah, they, they messaged me. Nami was very famous for Heart, if people don't know. It was Mega on it, yeah. They messaged me and they, hey, what, what, what's your room? How you play? So that time, people never go the the damage rune for like support so nice. I, I go to ad rune on nami and the or ap never go armor or shit so they copy me and they just literally copy how i play laning page so and then two weeks later i saw them playing nami in hk like samsung blue pick nami and then mata also pick nami i was like holy shit like my my stuff just going to hk so i used to be the one who tried to build the new stuff but now I like you know after years I look at myself I turn to be boomer it's like I don't try to make a new shit it's like like even in Taiwan like I just like literally calculate like gold efficiency oh look at if I buy look at first item oh this is most efficiency so I I'm gonna buy this item instead of shoes you know I really study hard to like win slightly but now what I like. Like what I doing is like I just watch YouTube video or just like some comment about the item bit. They say this is good. Maybe I'm gonna do it instead of just like try to study by myself. So I try to slow this boomer mindset, but it's a bit hard. I don't know. I feel like I'm so boomer now. We all feel that way. Like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I'm trying not to be. I try to be like you know, you know, young mind. <laughs> be fair though that like you are right it is always the newer players like if everyone remembers it was people like lehens carrier who were coming in with all those like crazy new picks for the spot position like they had some bangers back in there yeah yeah i mean it's like it's, it, was kinda, uh, it was kind of crazy that you know i was like when carrier was winning with the echo support like 30 minutes i was like i i actually lost one game first against him i picked thresh into it and then I realized I cannot kill Echo support as a Thresh because she was just like, shoop, move, and the W, and the run away, and ult away. Like, I cannot catch this champion. And then next game, I pick Bard into it, and I just win somehow. And then, but it's like, this guy really picked something new to, like, shitting on everyone in solo queue. And then I'm just still picking the champion I'm comfortable with. That was a really whole different story. Like, this guy just trying new thing and winning every game. I'm picking my favorite and comfortable picks and then just go like okay win rate this is like this is a real for me at the time so yeah that really made me think about myself it's like kind of it's like oh this is the actually gap between me and him you know it's like i'm, I'm not gonna be like picking random shit to win certain games in a row i'm, I'm not gonna do it but it's like he just do it, so I think that's the young blood and boomer difference, I guess. 
It's a boomer diff. That's the problem. It's <laughs> yeah. a boomer diff. That's the exactly. It's age gap. Literally, <laughs> we're back to age gap again, all the way around. Yeah. What's, what was what, what's your take on uh, on Carrier's uh, Zach support uh, against the Fredit Breon challenger team? Yeah, I Legit mean, pick or troll? So yeah, was he trolling with that? No, in, in Korea there was a one or the one trick Jack player called Yoksi Pokun. Like there's a one Korean guy. He literally playing Jack forever. So he's like challenger. Like I met him every game. Like like if I play from the morning, he is always there. So. <laughs> Yeah, he, I play against him, but sometime when he got off floor, he played support Jack. And then, mm-hmm. actually, it was good. It was good. I'm pretty sure Kerry are playing against his Jack too. So, and then, sometime it, it was really working. Because the Q, Q minion and the Flash Auto champion and the UGL's yep. combo one shot, I got, I died that, I died to that many times. So, <laughs> so I, I saw it was working. It was good. But I didn't actually try it out. That's the me and Carrier difference. Carrier actually <laughs> try when he got die, you know. I, I like how Carrier will do it when you know they're up one zero against an entire challenger team. Sub- yeah, substitute time team. He's exactly. like, well, time to bust out this. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, it's true though because especially we're we're only a one regular season week left. So if you're going to do it, you might as well do it now. So teams, when they go into playoffs, have to think about you may be playing Zach because they've now seen it. It's, it's hover it. Yeah, At least hover it in the draft in the playoffs, please, just once. Hover <laughs> yeah. once. I mean, there was a Shinji the support from Rienz. Yeah, Shinji. <laughs> <Yeah, yeah. laughs> uh, well, uh, any any other final thoughts on? We should probably do some LCS playoff predictions because you guys only yeah, have true. a couple of yeah. weeks of play left. It seems like you know most people think like Cloud Nine or Team Liquid are going to be the strong the strongest teams going in, and for me it's it's a bit of a hard read because well Team Liquid seems more like they have I would say better fundamentals. Yeah. The thing about Cloud Nine is their individual player capacity, and what's different about Cloud Nine. This iteration of Cloud9 is that Blabber is like, you know, he can win you games and then sometimes he, he will just randomly die, right? He, you, you, you live or die by Blabber a lot of the time. And when they had either Niski or Perks, right? Perks at least provided, I would say, a little bit more of the kind of veteran carry potential. N- Niski was basically helping, helping out with Blabber. But they haven't had the same kind of top laner because while Fudge did very well, he's probably the best player internationally when C when C9 was competing. Uh, Summit is obviously on another level even than that. And while we might say Fudge is a learning mid laner, he's doing a, he, he's playing a more supportive, I would say, mid style. They it feels like if Blabber has a bad game, other people can pick up the slack. And you know if Summit has a bad game, like we saw his his Gwen game was a little bit rough, right? But you know, other players can pop off on this roster. So this is the first iteration of C9 where I felt confident that one good player can have a questionable game, but the other good players on the roster will just hard carry, um, which wasn't even true necessarily in the perks era either. Right. Um, so it feels like this is a team that can legitimately take the title when a lot of people were saying, oh, well, you know, Team Liquid with Core JJ back is definitely the best team in this league, especially with LS and kind of his bag of tricks not really there to help out C9 anymore. Mm, I mean, it's like, I don't know. It's like, for me, it's a when I look at C9 player, 
it's like you know sometimes my calculation for the team is like sometimes i just try to think about how, how much how lp they are in korean solo queue because you know in korean solo queue is the funny thing is that people are doing right right stuff at the moment so it's like let's say you like five players are 1000 lp and they're against like 600 lp this five this five 1000 lp people are gonna shit on this like 600 for sure Right, literally, the combined LP, like if you have like 200 LP more, you're gonna win. I don't know why that happened, but it's like literally this happened every game in Korea. So when I look at the C9, it's like Summit and Berserker, it's like they are like really top high rank. It's like, like let's say one more than 1000 LP. And then when I was in Korea, some uh, the Winston was like 700 ish. It was 700. I think Blubber also got challenged at some point. I think Fudge, I don't know about him. It's like, Let's say I put him like 500 Grandmaster. But when you look at Team Liquid, I'm not sure. It's like Team Liquid in Korea solo could gonna be that much really high, like C9. It's like, um, I, I think they still gonna get Challenger, but not higher as the C9. Mm. So I feel like if Team Liquid combined LP is like 4,000, I feel like C9 is like 5,000. So it's gonna be something happen. But like in the end, I think C9 gonna win by team fight or some some random stuff. I think they just like individually better. That's what I what I think because it's like Berserker. I don't know how he communicate, but like I I watch his game. He just do the right thing in team fight. It's like you gonna expect Berserker gonna fully damage in. You you you're not gonna be like oh this guy gonna just like run away for you know just to be safe or something. Bonsaka gonna fully in gonna just flash in gonna killing people, and I think that's what I what I think. It's like Sami gonna try to even though he's losing like let's say he's losing top one v one he gonna try to still try to outplay. It's like that's kind of really different feeling from other players. It's like let's say. NA top, if they are losing slightly, losing 400 gold, they're going to play really, like, safe. But Sami will just, like, try to win the game to, like, buy dodging skill and then hit one more. It's something like that. <laughs> so I think in Korean solo queue, that happens a lot. It's like, you know, you know, sometimes when you watch Gumayoshi stream, they lost first portrait, but Gumayoshi randomly outplay 1v3 or 2v4, and then the game just come back. But if you don't actually try that type of play, how are you gonna come back? So I think good player always down to the to take the fight, even though they are losing gold. But I think what I got from any players is like when they are losing even like one K gold, one K gold doesn't do anything. It's like three long sword. Maybe missing item maybe different, but like you if you just one shot enemy carries, you just win. Like the gold, like 10k gold, 20k gold doesn't matter if you have a good team fight. But I think C9 is more willing to take a fight because I think that's how they think about game. I but, think it's also they all the players on that team have that mentality, 100%. Yeah, yeah. it's like why? So I kind of question my 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 myself. It's like why you're doing good macro? Why you try to crush both right? Why you try to do it? Because you're gonna well, you wanna have more gold for a better team fight. But what's the point you are losing when you have more gold? Like, the, the, so why you're doing even ma good macro? You're gonna still lose 5v5. I think it's like League of Legends, it's like sometimes you're gonna win by macro, but 
I think how League of Legends changed the game is like they are putting everyone is a 5v5 situation. Like Dragon matters, Battle matters. So you guys have to anyway have to take the fight. And then if you have a good players, you're going to win, even though you're losing 20k words at some point. Okay. Yeah, so... What they need to implement is, you know that game, Who Wants to Be a Millionaire, that quiz show? Well, famously, they have a system. It's, it's, it's a show where you try to win a million by answering these hard questions, right? And there's yeah. four options for each question. And famously, there's this concept where there's these three lifelines you get, which are like little bonuses you can use when you don't know the answer to the question, right? So obviously, yeah. if they had this in LCS, with you, they could use phone a friend before the team fight starts. Then you would go... 2k behind it's easy you just one shot the carries and yeah. then you win and they're like yeah. oh interesting obviously you can't use ask the audience because it's the lcs audience yeah. and sometimes it's not even there and then the last option is just blabber's options 50 50 isn't it yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like if you're losing you you know how the punchline's gonna change I everything was always <laughs> wait always wait yeah. always wait spoiler i work my way back from the punchline obviously <laughs> Okay, I think that's it then. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for coming on, Ole. Yeah, We're going to answer much. some fan questions, so we'll let you have a, a lovely afternoon. We appreciate yeah. your time very much. Yeah, thank you, thank you. Right, we're going to do the viewer questions now. So as usual, I'll hand it to Monty, where he will curate the questions that will be asked. If you'd like to ask questions, GrogCoin25 holders can do it. Go to the GrogCoin channel on the Inside on Esports Discord, and there will be a pinned post that tells you how you can become a proud GrogCoin holder, and then we will probably, not definitely, but probably answer your questions on the shows. By the way, uh, the joke is, because I'm pretty sure after that last four horsemen episode, I was thinking about this. If we ever stop caring about esports, well, as long as you keep having the GrogCoins, we'll probably just keep doing shows to make it only questions, because to be fair, I'm pretty sure me, Monty, <laughs> and Richard Lewis just yeah. answer random questions. That's like a two-hour show right there, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. You know? well, uh, we're, we're very interesting people that you want to ask questions to uh let's go so riots 2017 press release evolution of the nalcs which was by the way that's code speak that's a euphemism for franchising uh, right. evolution of the nalcs uh states that to address taking away from the threat of relegation they were adding a policy so that quote teams can lose their right to compete in the league if they yes. finish in ninth or tenth place five times over an eight split span for the last four splits 2020 spring summer 2021 spring and summer clg has placed ninth or tenth with clg starting off the split with a rocky start alongside tsm at the bottom of the standings there is potential we may see this policy will be put to the test has there been any discussion around the league about future actions that will be taken against clg if they continue to place at the bottom of the standings what do you think are appropriate repercussions for a team that are constantly tanking okay so it's let's talk thing, Monty. I don't know actually what the owners in NA think. So let me get a guess first and then you can give your takes. I'm sure your take is literally informed by what some of the owners. <laughs> Basically, here's what I would say. I think the problem here is people don't get the mechanism of how change will happen in a league like the LCS. For my money, as someone who doesn't know, like I haven't asked any owner about this particular topic, I would personally guess Riot themselves won't attempt to enforce that unless, and this is the key mechanism, the majority of the owners say this is fucking up the league, like it's not good enough, and they make it the key point. If the rest of the owners sort of band together and are like, this is unacceptable, maybe right, if they just leave it otherwise, I don't think there's a million years that Riot fucks with that spot. So, and here's why the owners will never want that. If a team can get removed from the league, it devalues their asset. 
I mean, that's it. If if you if there is a threat that the team could theoretically be removed, it devalues the thing that they own. So they will never want it for that reason. They also won't want it for competitive reasons because CLG sucking is good for them. Yes. <laughs> I don't know what you guys want. Like that's the, the, both of those things are true and why the owners won't give a shit about CLG sucking. Yes. Now, put aside what the owners want. Wait, they, they never get that point though. Because you notice that notice what I did immediately is frame the customer of the league as the owner. Because <laughs> yeah. he is. But this yeah. is where the fans always get wrong, because you know they do this in LEC all the time. They're like, why don't we just kick Astralis out and bring like BDS? No, not BDS, sorry, K Corp in. It's like, because guess what? I don't think G2 Fanatics are gonna vote yes on that, are they? Like, why the fuck would they want a rival to come in the league? I think they're very happy with Astralis putting out piss four yep. rosters every split that they can just farm up for wins, of course. Remember, you have to pay millions to get in this league, boys. It ain't just free competition. <laughs> And and also, I think from the league's perspective, people will bag on CLG, but it's not like CLG wasn't spending money on rosters. Like, think about they had a bunch of veteran players. They weren't phoning it in, guys, just because, the, the you know, their rosters played badly doesn't mean that they weren't trying. I think one, you, it might even have been last year. I'll check. But they had one dude where I remember thinking it was even good before. It might even have been the one last year. You know, yeah, the one where they had like, a roster. It had like Wild Turtle, Brooks. Like it was all like legit players that played in LCS. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't think that's exactly fair. Like I think CLG underperformed relative to the perceived strength of their roster. And the irony is like now they just went with a bunch of NA like rookies, basically, or almost rookies, uh, and they're doing better. Right. Yeah, yeah. So uh, <laughs> if anything, if anything, if they had had this strategy for the last few years where they were just buying a bunch of cheap players and running them down, like you, you may have had a legitimate complaint. But the irony is that now they're not doing that, and yet they have a more competitive roster. But if I was the league, I wouldn't. My perception is not that they were trying to be shit. Uh, so I think that they were potentially badly managed and they had bad PR. That, those things are probably true, but they also changed their GM this last year and they uh, haven't Bud Light benched somebody recently. <laughs> So which was hilarious. Hell. Which was hilarious, by the way, guys. Just esports things. Like it's one of the reasons I love esports. Just it's so easy to the 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 fruit just hangs so low a lot of the time in terms of having having a laugh. Um, so I don't think they'll do anything for a lot of reasons. Nor, do, nor nor do I think CLG deserves it. I really, really don't think CLG deserves it. Um, so I think that'll. I don't think that will be really in question, especially because. I don't think anybody would say they didn't improve this year either. That it hasn't and, been a And think about this, right? The team that before CLG everyone would have put is obviously awkwardly Golden Guardians, isn't it? If you look at the history of the team in franchising, right? Here's the problem. They're one of the only teams that has tried to develop NA talent, and you all keep saying you want NA talent developed. Like, so which is it? Are we gonna actually punish teams for doing what you ask them to do? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, remember, if it wasn't for Golden Guardians, there wouldn't be that fucking core of hundred thieves right now. Yeah. Like, they took gambles on some of those players. So, and yeah, I mean, to me, it's just, I think people have gone too far that one. And also, spoiler, now that TSM's last place, there's zero chance they're getting fucking kicked out ever. Also, you guys need to remember who owns CLG, which is Madison Square Garden Company. And there is nothing that Riot loves more than using Madison Square Garden so oh. some of their executives can masturbate furiously yes. about being in Madison Square Garden, guys. So, yes. They they want that. It's a prestige Absolutely. thing. You kick them out the league. That fucking price for getting the the venue goes <laughs> way up. 
<laughs> instantly, I'll tell you right now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. exactly. So I, I think it's, I think, you know, it's already been announced that New York is one of the, the stops at Worlds, right? I'm pretty oh, that's sure. That's cool. I'm pretty sure. Okay. So it should be in Madison Square Garden again. <laughs> it could also be the way that sports use the words New York to actually mean be the fucking New Jersey, which could be, you know, the Dignitas uh, Stadium in Newark yeah, as yeah. well. Because um, they the Dignitas is owned by the same people who own the New Jersey Devils. So it could, I guess, be that arena. Um, but yeah, uh, I think that is very unlikely to happen. Do you wish, uh, here's another question. Do you wish league still had relegations in some form, especially when thinking about this split? I personally do in general, because here's the thing. I understand and I actually can appreciate from a business side all the reasons why franchising has upsides. But my problem is this. The worst thing, in my opinion, about franchising is I now have to trust that the general managers of the top teams agree with me on who the players that are good are. So unfortunately, if you ever get a player, classic examples, leader, etc. in the EU, where they have a rep that they're difficult or toxic, it doesn't matter even if they're good enough, they just might be essentially sort of low-key blackballed out of the league. Whereas in a world where you can go into promotions, make your own team with a couple of other people and just spank the 10th place team and get in the... You can't deny certain talents. Certain people, if they're really good enough, they'll just get to the league. So that's the thing I've always appreciated about promotions, etc. And obviously coming from Counter-Strike, where you have a totally open circuit, I can tell you every year you always have one or two teams that come in that you haven't really heard of and they just rise through the ranks. Whereas in the Illegal Legends ecosystem, it would take you like three years to get to that level. You'd have to go like, you know, this level, level than in the RL. Like it'd take you ages to get to that point. I think I think for me, I do miss relegations in the sense that you say it, Thorin, but also I think there are other things that could be done that would help minimize the lack of relegations. We talked about this and you guys should watch this if you're curious. The Four Horsemen show that we did talking about the moves in the LCS Players Association. It came out today, the, by the way. Yeah, it's it came on out on channel. pod today. It's on the the YouTube channel. Um same YouTube channel. Um, so we released the VOD this morning, but if you guys listen to that, one of the points that I make is that a problem within LCS is that if you are not one of the top teams and you can't attract good players, then you just won't spend money on players, right? Because it's a waste of, it's a waste of money to move yourself from 10th place to seventh place. If you can't field a good core to that team and there's no hope because there's no draft and there can't be a draft because there's not a player's union that's negotiating a collective bargaining agreement. It's just illegal to do that in America. So what I would rather see is a draft so that teams at the bottom of the standings can at least try and like find North, you know, get the next Jojo peon or whatever, and at least have a core that is signed for multiple years to build them and thereby incentivize the teams to actually spend money and be more competitive. I think it's just hopeless for a lot of teams. Uh, and so you look at relegation, you're like, well, that would be a better option because at least it would create some drama. But I think you can make teams care in different ways besides just relegation. I would prefer the carrot approach as opposed to the stick approach personally. Uh, what is the biggest surprise so far in LCS this split? It's got to be Dignitas's team, surely. Yeah, they've done a lot better than expected. I would have, I would have had them as like the borderline playoffs at best. Like they're doing way better than anything. I mean, the problem is the de facto ones has to be TSM. Obviously, like, nobody thought they would be in last place for fuck's sake. Yes, <laughs> you know. But assuming we're taking them out of the equation is the obvious one, you know. I would say that Cloud9 looking like the strongest roster is also a bit surprising after after 
uh, TL got Core JJ back. Uh, you would have had a lot of questions about communication within the team, synergy, uh, especially after LS left, and he was the person who brought these players together and had they were all there to buy into his ideas of the meta and his coaching style. And for them to continue rolling after he left, I think is is also pretty surprising. Uh, what release are you guys looking forward to this year? It can be a movie, book, video game, etc. Let me think. Is there any movies coming out this year that are good? Let me think. The problem, guys, is that I'm really insulated from advertisements. Yeah, I don't, ten, I don't tend to like, I don't read any sites that tell me what new shit's coming out. That's a problem. And I don't really see ads because of the way that I consume media. Um, you know, I don't have cable TV, for example. So I would say for me, uh, one thing I'm really excited about is the new God of War game. I think. The so I love Norse mythology, and I think the 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 last God of War game was one of the best games I've ever played in terms of storyline and world building. And what I really loved about it was that they didn't introduce gods like Thor or Odin, and they just teased them a little bit because so many whatever pieces of media will just blow their load as fast as they possibly can and not actually have good pacing or like a build into, uh, you know, a more epic narrative. They try and make it epic as, as epic as fast as possible. And there's nowhere to go after that, right? If you already make it so that the universe itself is on the line every single time or the first time, then there's nothing else to build into. And I really, I really liked that game. And I think that game was like really well written, really well told. It was an interesting twist on Norse mythology. It was really fun to play. So I'm really looking forward to the second version of that, like the new God of War game. Okay. Uh, since I have to say something, I looked it up. So here we go. Right. Because I, 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 I am a boomer and I don't follow any new shit. I don't know what new stuff's coming out. So all I've done is look up some of my directors that I like and see what's coming up. So apparently... <laughs> It should be coming out this year because it's apparently already in post-production. There is a movie coming. Uh, the new David Cronenberg movie comes out this year. which is called Crimes of the Future, and it has, like, Viggo Mortensen in it. So I will definitely watch that. <laughs> Basically got an open ticket for David Cronenberg. Any movies he makes, I'll definitely be watching. Uh, speaking of directors, one of my favorite up-and-coming directors is this guy named uh, Ari Aster, who did Hereditary and Midsummer, And he's got a new movie called Disappointment Boulevard that's coming out this year. And I think that will probably be very good. Uh, let's move on. Have either of you read anything from Albert Camus? Yes. Of course. Uh, yeah. I mean, a lot of his books are quite short. If you don't know that tons of them, you can just read for a particular day. Yeah. L'étranger is very short. I've actually read the stranger in French. Um, cause it's very, actually I'm, it's very simple to read in French. He uses very simple language uh, in that book. Uh, and the, or the fall. I've also read, um, what the plague, plague maybe. Yeah. Maybe I've read the plague. Classic. Um, so I'm not huge on nihilism. <laughs> I, I think it's a, I think it's a, like a postmodern disease. So he's not my favorite. <laughs> Let's put it that way. I, I, I'm not, I don't resonate with things that 
deal with the level of arbitrariness that he views the world through his writing. The problem is, it depends in my opinion, he's a good example of an author. It depends where you are in your life. Like it, it, one of the weird things about art that's at a high level, in my opinion, is depending on what phase of your life you encounter, the art, it's, it feels like the art changed, but the joke is you're different. That's what's totally different that's interfacing. So to me, if you're like, uh, which I was, someone who in like the 90s is a teenager, I think that's exactly when the his work yes. is spot on like if people yep. don't know gen x was the ultimate nihilistic fucking generation where it, the idea was all of capitalism was just going to burn down and we were just going to play video games and smoke weed and, and wait for it to all finish except <laughs> now it's 30 years later you know so we have to fucking just get oh well put the hard hat on again better get back to work building this civilization so <laughs> the problem is it doesn't really vibe with me as much now you know yeah i i would say i read I haven't read Camus in a long, long time, but obviously like the myth of Sisyphus is a really enduring academic essay. Uh, if you that... like hard carries that after one V nine, you know, <laughs> eSports games is basically the fucking Bible of that concept. <laughs> I, so I, I think everybody should read Camus because I think he was an incredibly influential thinker and being able to refer to things like his, his take on the myth of Sisyphus is really important. If you want to understand modern thought so i would advise reading him but i wouldn't just like i'm not a huge ayn rand fan but you should probably read some fucking ayn rand so you actually understand a lot of the concepts that get thrown around in the modern world right uh what is your favorite place in the world hmm. oh well that is <laughs> The world just gone done changed, didn't it? So I can't really answer that anymore. Like, guess what? It used to be Seoul, South Korea. Don't think I'll be going back for a while, probably now, lads. Not really my cup of tea. Not really, not really vibing with me. We're going to different places at the moment, you know. So sadly, I probably just have to say, what would I say now, actually? To be fair, I'll pick somewhere that, like, I'm just looking for. Like, I, I once went on holiday to Vietnam, and it was actually really fucking beautiful, mega idyllic. Mm. The food was mega, everything's cheap. You can yep. afford, like, the best hotel. I would easily go back somewhere like that in a heartbeat, mate. Like, next chance I get to do, I'll do something like that. Thailand, Vietnam. Oh, yeah, Southeast Asia banging. is great. Yeah, Southeast Asia is great. Um, also, when I was young, I wasn't a big fan personally of being out in the sun. But actually, living in Korea is what broke me of that. Because what I learned was... Essentially, if you first go to Korea and you can't handle the sun, obviously you'll feel way too hot, you'll sweat, and you'll burn up easily. But what I learned is you have to sort of just gradually let yourself get exposed a little bit. And after a few weeks, you actually get that mad thing where like your sweat glands, if people don't know, it's for, they just turn off. They just, you stop sweating all the time. That's why you learn, oh, the Korean guy isn't that different to me. Like, because you see all these Korean businessmen who don't have like all the sweat. Like, what the fuck? How is he walking around like that? But you, your body just adjusts to it. So now I can appreciate the warmth, basically. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. I, I really like traveling to a lot of different places. I, I just enjoy traveling in general. So I don't know if I have a favorite place because I like seeing new things. Um, I will say in general, like after years, I've lived in Europe. I've lived in Asia. I am pretty happy being in, in the States right now. Uh, I enjoy, it's not so much the cities in America that I like. I just missed, when I lived in Korea, like you live in Europe, you miss the ability to be like truly alone. And there's something about the vastness, especially of the American West. And I'm from Colorado that is very different. Like I can literally, you know, California is huge and you can literally just, if you live in the West, just drive and then just be in the middle of nowhere and be in very beautiful scenery. And I just, 
I really missed the ability to like get out into the middle of nowhere um, when I when I lived in in Korea. It was everybody is so it's so densely populated. And Europe's so densely populated that it's it's hard to it's hard to get out there. So I, I missed the wildness, and uh, I I enjoy that about being here. Uh, what's a band slash TV series that you think is criminally underrated and or depressingly unknown? I've got a good answer for this. You have one? I think because the problem is for band, I could go a million fucking deep on that. Like, let me yeah, think of sure. Like, I'll give you a classic one, one of my actual favorite bands, but I'll, I won't pick the ones that anyone has a chance to know. But it's basically a band, it's a post-rock band, which if people don't know, is the best described as a type of music that goes quiet, quiet, loud, 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 quiet, 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 quiet. And it's just super, like, drawn out guitar music, basically. And there's a group from that called Explosions in the Sky yep. that is genuinely one of the best bands I've ever heard. And the thing is, some people might know a few of the bands in that genre. The most famous one is obviously Godspeed, You Black Emperor. But actually, not as many people seem to know Explosions in the Sky, so I'll, I'll list them one of my favorites <laughs> yeah uh so this will be this will be a, an interesting for so for tv i bet nobody's actually ever seen this uh there is a a six episode canadian tv series called slings and arrows which is a fictionalized version of the Shakespeare festival that there's a very famous Shakespeare festival that happens in Ontario. And they basically fictionalized the story of this, uh, this festival that does three different plays over these, or there's six episode seasons. So it's, it's 18 episodes, I guess. Um, and nobody has ever actually fucking seen this show except for me, even though it stars one of the seasons stars a very young and then unknown Rachel McAdams, which is really interesting. Uh, but it is I, you know, I grew up doing theater. I did exclusively Shakespeare when I was in college, and it is an incredibly accurate depiction of what it's like to be involved in a in a theater troupe in production. And it's also just incredibly fucking well written. And the amount of the amount of content they can stuff into like a six episode season and have it be very meaningful and have all the characters be really interesting um, is just phenomenal. So it's probably something you've never seen, but it's really, really good. Uh, in terms of I'll, bands, I'll give you a TV show if you want one. Yeah. If you want a TV show, here's one that I can't believe people have never seen, but it's because it was a show that basically got cancelled, right? Believe it or not, in the early 2000s, Kevin Smith, the guy who made Clerks and More Rats and all that shit, he actually made a series of Clerks that was an animated series in the style of like classic American like animation shows, but it has all the humor of Clerks and the whole like Ask Universe in it of like more like I wouldn't say adult humor because it's more like teenage humor if anything, but like if you like those movies. Movies. This is like a must-watch that most people haven't seen. It'll be on the internet somewhere. There's only like six episodes of that, I think. Somewhere. But it's it's exactly the same humor. They have all the voices of the people. Like they have Jane. He does he does the voice of Sal Bob and all that jazz. So it's it's mad underrated. Cause I just don't think it's that famous, really. <laughs> and you know, I like in terms of bands. One of my favorite bands is this band called VNV Nation, which was two guys and is now only one guy named Ronan Harris and. They basically play in a kind of like goth genre, which they called super or future pop, but is kind of like dark wave. And the thing 
The thing about this genre of music is that every other band in this genre is just terrible. famous, right? <laughs> no, they're just bad. Just oh, bad. really? Okay. <laughs> like, like basically any other band, it's, it's like a niche genre um, that sort of like came out of some of the 80s stuff, like Sisters of Mercy, where you'd have, you know, very early goth music was like, a lot of drum machine and then vocal. It's like the indu industrial overlap. It's like industrial, well, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but the thing about it is that VNV never use drum machines; they just use an electronic drum kit, so you don't get the same kind of repetitive backing. It feels more organic while still getting that sound, and their lyrics are absolutely fucking phenomenal. And they're they're it's just they're really good and. They just fall in this genre where no one is even anywhere close to as good as they are. And they've been going for like 20, 30 years now, uh, like 20 plus years probably. And they're still an excellent band. And it's like their whole catalog is good. Even their early stuff, which is like a lot darker, is still really good in its own right. They put on fucking fantastic live shows. And they just kind of chill in Germany. They're very popular in Germany. <laughs> <laughs> even though the, the main guy's Irish uh, and they travel sometimes and um, just nobody knows about them. Just very, very, very underrated, I would say. So that's was it. it supposed to be movies and uh, movies as well? Band, we can do movies if you want. It wasn't, it was band. Because for movies is the easiest because they're the ones where I've, I've just watched a bazillion movies. So I've got a good one that tons of people have never seen. But it's, um, it's here's the thing. I won't say it's like an amazing movie. It's more like it's like a really good like 7.5 out of 10. It's just something you'll have never heard of. If anyone knows the cult movie, The Cube, the one where, yep. I won't spoil any of it. Basically, the director who did that, no one bothered following his career after that. But after that, he made a movie called Cypher. And it's basically, I won't give any of the plot away, but it's an espionage movie. And it's just mega creative. Like, you, won't, it's got Lucy Lewin, if you want a random name of a person. But it's a movie, again, no one's ever seen it. I assume it's like some fucking obscure movie. It's, it's, it's mad. Like, it's way better than you'd expect for that way. And it's got a really interesting <laughs> plot line. You you recommended a, you recommended a good movie to me that I watched uh, like within the last six months, which months, which is a recent movie that probably nobody's seen, which is Mandy, uh, which is a cult following. But yeah, yeah, uh, it's a it's another crazy Nicolas Cage movie because he's just at the point in his career where he can do the weirdest shit ever. And he's great in all of it. He's uh, another guy. I give a total carte blanche. He can do any movie. I'll give it a try. Yeah, because <laughs> sometimes they're mega for real, like this. Yeah. Aren't they? Sometimes I know they'll just be mega. How would you How would you describe Mandy? It's Nicolas Cage being abducted by a group of homicidal LSD addict biker gang. It's one members. of the most intense movies you can ever watch. Basically, like it's one of those movies where like the soundtrack just becomes part of the movie, and you're just like, "Holy fuck!" And everything about this movie is mega stylized. Like the soundtrack's yeah. totally unique. The color scheme, like it has a different palette of colors for all the different moments. And like, oh, it's it's the problem is though, it's a mega intense movie. Yeah, uh, I would say. It didn't really bother me. I watched it a little bit high. I would not recommend that. I could fuck with you a little bit. I also watched it high. I could handle it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I I can take it, but like yeah. probably not 
super it gets fun. a bit dark that way yeah you have to basically be able to tell yourself just a movie as long as you can do that you're fine if, if it becomes more than just a movie you're a deep shit yeah exactly <laughs> maybe maybe wouldn't recommend doing that not before bedtime put it that way. <laughs> that's what i did it was watch uh, it at like 2 insane. p.m on a sunny day on the afternoon <laughs> with a nice glass of milk exactly <laughs> And have mom on fast style, just in case. Just in case you need to power with the old chick, you know. <laughs> All right. Well, that's the last question. Uh, thanks, guys. We'll see you next week. Next week, we'll be talking about LEC playoffs. Odo Omne will be the guest. We'll see you then.